0: This episode is brought to you by Triggered22 LLC, a veteran-owned apparel company. By purchasing a t-shirt, hat, or hoodie from Triggered22, you're not only supporting a small business, but you're bringing awareness to veteran PTSD and suicide. Please help save the lives of those who fought for our freedoms. Visit Triggered22.com now and place your order. Let's help those suffering from invisible wounds. He did the scene
1: with Matthew McConaughey and Bradley Cooper, and it was before Bradley Cooper took off. Like, that was one of his early stuff. He did the scene. Yeah, made more money than I ever made acting in New York. Welcome to the American Grown Podcast, hosted by Austin Sullivan. The American Grown Podcast will focus on people from different walks of life and their journey to where they are now. Now, turn up your volume and settle in for a great episode. Hi,
0: I'm Austin Sullivan. This is the American Grown Podcast, recorded inside the Colortech Creative Solutions Studios. Today, we have Eric Sulliard, filmmaker and owner of Anubis Productions. Eric, welcome to episode 58 of the American Grown Podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad we can finally get together on this. I mean, I feel like you were busy or I was busy, and I had to cancel, and uh, here we are.
1: Yes, schedules are a tough thing. Yeah, for sure, (laughs) especially with
0: kids. As you know, I have a one year old, and you have two boys. I think.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They keep you hopping.
0: Because I'm trying to remember, I was trying to find out about you, and it was a a piece of media that you were doing on uh, Facebook. It was a video because you're big into video for Ed Felty, and it was your, you know, we are Lebanon project, and he owns the Allen theater. Um, So I was talking about that and I just loved the look of, of how you shot it, how clean everything was. And I just liked the whole lighting and everything. So I was like, this guy's pretty cool. Like He's doing some neat stuff around Lebanon County. And then, you know, later on my family business, color tech, we used to do some work with your wife, Nancy at Messiah university. Uh, She was a creative director there
1: for, I believe quite a few years. Yeah. We moved back to Pennsylvania in 2009 and I believe it's been one year, actually. So she was like 12 years, I think. She started as the senior designer, I think, and then moved up to creative director in like the last seven, eight years or something. Ah, that's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool.
0: Yeah. So and then, you know, through her, I got to meet uh, Dwayne, who's at the university print shop there. They have a, an in-house uh, print shop. And now uh, she's no longer at Messiah. We were just talking before we start recording. She's at uh, Select Medical.
1: Yes. She's yeah. the creative director for Outpatient. Okay. Um, the outpatient side of things and um yeah she's been there a little over a year now and yeah she's loving it so, phenomenal yeah. and
0: i want to mention too for the listeners check out the photos on facebook and instagram american world podcast i love how you're wearing the headphones you're <laughs> the first person wearing, like that like you're like i'm not taking the hat off sometimes i wear a cap <laughs> i don't have my
1: baseball cap but uh i like your style well i do when i shoot um yeah. for myself and sometimes i run audio while i'm shooting sometimes we have an audio person but it's there was a clash of yes of of hat wear, headwear and and microphone and so i figured this is just what I got used to, um, because I don't know. Like you yourself, I see, are follically challenged, yes, so you understand yes, the. Yes, we go to Barbara. The Mr. problem, Mr. Clean. Yeah, we have Mr. <laughs> clean look. I do understand. I do. So I don't, yeah. you know. And I was like, as I got older, I was like, um, no offense to the people that pull off hats at whatever age, you know. My yeah. dad still rocks the baseball hat, um, but I was just at one point like, I just didn't feel like baseball hats anymore, and I was like, so I went with this one. And then sometimes people give you squirrely looks, but life's all right now. Yeah. You gotta um, rock it. But you can't. This what sucks is a baseball hat I could totally like put headphones on over it. Yeah. Where this one I was like the first time I was like, Oh, this hat's screwing me. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. But also, I mean, honestly, it's more of a practicality thing because it's not sexy to say, but dude, when you don't have hair, you sweat and like <gasps> you don't realize like your your hair is like a mop that like soaks all that up. It and, is. And like, dude, when you're on a set and there's lights and there's this and oh, there's that, hot. Yeah. a lot of times I do like a bandana, like a do-rag under this, and then I put a hat over it because I look really ridiculous in just a do-rag. Like that doesn't oh, work bet. at all. Like so I put my hat on. Yeah. And then you're not like, you don't look like you're melting. Uh huh. You know? Oh, I know the struggles. But then when yeah. you take off the hat and the do rag, and I try to put here, and then I then I'm sweating all over the place. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a this, thing. Yeah. It's a struggle. Not everybody gets uh,
0: <laughs> gets the privilege of, of trying to figure that out. But
1: I no. know what you're talking about. It's uh, one of those like I think people look at me sometimes. They're always like, "Oh, he likes weird hats." It's not really. It's just it's more of a necessity. I always say to people, bald people need hats. <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you just like, do. Oh, yeah.
0: I have a one for work I wear when I go out on the road, uh, especially around the wintertime. And uh, I've got some comments from clients or uh, the receptionists, the gatekeepers. They're like, you look like Indiana Jones. Because it's like an Indiana Jones style hat. <laughs> and I was like, well, it keeps my head warm. You yeah. know, it serves a purpose. And uh, yes, let's get into this interview. Let's get into sure. it. Let's get some background on yourself. You did a little bit of research. You filled out the form to be on the podcast. I mean, you're an actor,
1: an editor, writer, and director. But let's let's start like from the beginning. Honestly, it's funny. I was just at um Cornwall Elementary School yesterday. Okay. My son goes there. And um, I was talking to the principal and so it's ridiculous, but it actually just happened yesterday. They were talking they're trying to figure out how to upgrade the the stage. Cornwall, I don't know if you know, has this an amazing old stage, wooden stage like wood like it, it it's amazing. It's an old – like the it's it's a whole auditorium with a second tier like okay. it's really yeah. cool and it's been like that since you know, ever, because when I was there, they used to do these amazing plays. Um, they had a teacher called Mrs. Marks, and she would put on these amazing shows with the kids. And And I'm not, like, people literally were like, like, again, they're not Oscar worthy. Well, yeah, that wouldn't even be Oscar, but you know what I'm saying. Right, what you um, said, yeah. They're not, they're not Broadway. For the kids, I mean, they put so much heart and soul into them. They were, they were literally, like, fun. And, like, people always were like, oh... So, yada, yada, yada. In first grade, I ended up in one of those. And then in fifth grade, the big deal was fourth and fifth graders got the good parts. Okay. And So, first grade,
0: you're like the tree or the, the stump or the rock or something? I was,
1: I think, like an elf or oh, okay. something. Oh, like, I got picked good, to right? be an elf. Yeah. And I think I actually got to hang out with, like, the main character kind of thing. Nice. So, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. And that I just loved. And then in fifth grade, I got to be the Tin Man. And Whoa. they had this crazy suit with it. And it was awesome. And I was a... I was a pretty fly break dancer back then. Okay. You know, breaking was out. It was yeah. new to the movie. Like it was pretty <laughs> dope. And um, so I got to do like breakdancing as the Tin Man. And I loved acting. Like from there on, I just I loved acting. It's what I want to do. I did some plays in middle school. I did some in high school. I wasn't the kid that was in every play. I didn't like musicals. I never liked no. musicals. No. No, no. And actually the truth is I don't like okay, so this is gonna sound contradictory. I loved acting, but I hated plays. I hated musicals. I wanted to do, like, I always had a love for, like, film and television. Like, that was my bag. And I was that weird kid, like, on the bus where all the other kids were talking about, like, you know, people's, you know, baseball stats and football this. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad didn't watch sports at all. And the truth is, if you did, I don't think I would have cared. And I mean, but I could tell you like what movies were coming out that year, who was in them, like what shows were coming, what who was in those, you know. Like I was always, I used to get Entertainment Weekly, like when it was like <laughs> yeah. a real magazine, it would tell Not you. Not just like, on your phone or something? No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. there were no phones. I'm that old, you know. <laughs> and it was like, so I was like stoked. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah my Entertainment Weekly's here. That was always my bag. And so, you know, then coming out of high school, I graduated from Cedar Crest. It was like, you know, how do you do that? You know, and, and I didn't really have um, the drive or like the know-how of like what to do next. Yeah. So I ended up kicking around at Cheney Seafood. I was telling you earlier, um, that was yeah. my first like real job.
0: Which for the listeners, that was uh, across from where like Target is now. And I mean, McDonald's has always been there. But, like, some people don't know. And I just always, like we were saying before we started recording here, it had the Dr. Seuss fish. Like, the red and green and yellow fish. And they looked like the Dr. Seuss characters. As soon as you said that and described where it was, like, the memory came back of, like, oh, my gosh, that's where it is. And, we, you know, you get, like, lobster, your clams or shrimp. Which it seems odd being in Lebanon a seafood. It was it was good. Their only
1: competition, I believe, was Adelphia Seafood. If my brain serves in Reading, yeah, I heard of them. I a buddy worked there, and I graduated high school. And my dad went, you know, get a job or something. Like I'm not giving you money, and if you're gonna be here, you're doing something. And I was like, all right. And he was just like, oh, dude, I work over here. They're hiring. I was like, all right. So I started working there. And um, and what would you do? I actually you start in the flay room. Okay, <laughs> that I remember this is the best. You start in the fillet room, and that's basically the worst job because that's where in the morning they would prep everything and okay. cut and slice and do all that. and then you were stuck cleaning all that up. Ooh. And then it wasn't too long. And unfortunately, the for him, the dude mm-hmm. that got me hired, um, I think he hit too many things. In the truck, because basically most of the people were drivers. Okay. So you'd help in the fillet room and get your trucks ready, but then you'd head out on the road. Well, he got taken off the road and put in the fillet room, and they put me on the road. So most of the time I was there, I was like a, you know, small bucks. Box truck driver. Yeah, I can picture it. But you'd right. go to Lancaster. Like there was a South Run, North Run, East Run, and yeah, it was not sexy. And you smelled interesting when you got home. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> you know, my lived at home. My mom was like, as soon as you got home, you had to go in the basement and put my clothes in the washer for breeze or, or like. No, wash, just, or just they got washed. Like a really, my mom was just like that because I think I might have done the experiment of they sat for a day or two and it made <sighs> like the whole basement smell like fish. So you like, learned quickly. to like, like, get it's, that it's,
0: in the washer dryer. It's An
1: interesting ASAP. career path. Yeah. And um, but actually, a guy that um, it was the. Only Owner's son, Jay Cheney. He encouraged me to go to Hack. And one day, I came off the road on a Saturday, and he sat me down. And he goes, "Here," and he put a application for Hack in front of me. Yes. And he just he goes, "You don't belong here." He goes, "Dude, just fill it out." And he was going to Hack actually for business classes. And he was the he ran the business with his um, stepdad. And actually, I did it. Like I respected him. He was a good dude. He was only like three, four years older than me you know i needed that and so i went to hack for 2 years i got a degree in speech communication and i got my associates and then i transferred to millersville i got my bachelor's in speech communications um, with a, a focus in uh, what you could do like marketing or this or that and i did on um, broadcasting sorry oh, okay. so speech communication oh, well, with a focus in broadcasting yeah. And I didn't know anything about college, so I was like, you know, you get a a degree in what you want to do. And my plan was I was going to move to New York probably. Okay. And basically I thought, ooh, I have this degree so I can get a job like behind the scenes, but then I can do acting, you know, and I'll try to do acting, but then I can have a job behind the scenes. And actually my first year after Millersville, I re met a girl I had dated for a month six years earlier. And five weeks later we got married. So Whoa, wait, what? And that this was Nancy. Is, this is Nancy. <laughs> wait, okay. So this is how you met Nancy.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: So I met Nancy S- yeah. and, um, yeah, we had dated a month when she was like a senior in high school. And then it was like six years later. I honestly, I wasn't looking to date anybody. Like I had dated this really nice girl for a while. Like she was just the nicest person, but it was one of those things that just didn't work out. Right. And you're, you know, afterwards you're just kind of like, I'm just good. Um, but then I bumped into her and yeah, we, we hung out for like five weeks and then we just got married. And it'll be 20, it's 24 years later. Oh, congratulations. That's Thanks. awesome. Yeah, yeah really seriously. Cool. That you know. is awesome. It's one of those things, you know, thankfully it worked out. You know, praise God. Right. Like, yeah. Literally. Yeah. It was like, yay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then, and she had just graduated from Cootsdown with a fine arts degree and a degree in graphic design, I guess. It was one of those two or both. And, um, and so we ended up finishing my year at Millersville. And then she, in my end of my senior year, was going like, was applying to stuff in new york because like we both were like yeah we wanted to do that adventure yeah Yeah. it was something she was into and, and she knew like that's what i wanted to do and um yeah god works in weird ways because like literally she had a job interview like a month before i graduated okay and it was like i graduated and it was a month, month and a half, and she was just like, Well, I guess I didn't get the job, you know. But she had gone up, the job was at ENR Magazine, Engineering News Record. It was the oldest engineering magazine in the country, I think. Oh, wow. Um, it was above 2 Penn Plaza, right above Penn Station. Okay. Right above Penn wow. the garden, right yeah, in front of the garden yeah, Right there. And I graduated high school, I mean, yeah, high school, college, and they called her and said, We want you. You have to be here in two weeks. Whoa. So we went from Lebanon, and I grew up, you know, to be honest, my parents are amazing. But Lebanon was a bubble like you know Lebanon was definitely like
0: everybody kind of knows everybody and it's a small
1: Nick community or meh big world scary oh right right <laughs> you oh, know I was kind of that like yeah, small yeah. town yeah. you know this is cool I mean all my friends and I like I mean my Nancy still teases me so when we first met my parents lived off Oak Street over near Creekside so she lived out in North Lebanon it was like a 20 minute drive honest that was a long drive you know <laughs> yeah and yeah she, and to this day she'll still tease me 20 minutes was too far to drive yeah um and and like if we went to park city my friends and i that was like a day trip oh, we were right. like oh my gosh yeah, yeah yeah we're going to park city right heading like, down to lancaster oh yeah i was like yeah. i just got to sleep in the night no like a good bed early <laughs> Go you <to> know <laughs> i mean right and so like the world was a big scary place and i left lebanon only because you know, what I wanted to do wasn't available here. It just wasn't something you could do here. Uh, so that was, but so that's how it kind of, when we, so they were like two weeks, you got to be here. We drove, we went down, got a realtor, looked, you know, one day found a place, rented it, <laughs> like moved the next week. Yeah, because you only had two weeks to, two to, weeks. to get there. Yeah. And then,
0: so you moved like, uh, what was it? Like uh, sometime early 2000, 2000, I think it was.
1: We were in 2000. To,
0: yeah. to North uh, Jersey. To be closer to New York.
1: Yeah, so we, we ended yeah. up in Nutley, which if you watch The Sopranos, yes. Nutley is featured, and Lindhurst. Oh, wow. So it was Nutley and right across the rivers, Lyndhurst. You're like a soprano. Yeah. You know, I was at the Do diners ties, that were like in there. Yeah. No, Nope. Thankfully, oh, okay. I, I, I can, stayed out of that.
0: I was going to say, the mafia's not going to come <laughs> after me, is didn't. it? They didn't pull me in. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but it was a really cool place. Super nice people. So we could get a train right down the road. Or you could go to Lyndhurst and you hop on a train. And then you'd take go in. And it was like, Nancy's commute was always like around 45 minutes. Like, the okay. city was like 45 not minutes. bad for New, New York, well, and, it? well, in the beginning, you had no. Like, we worked yeah. with people that, I worked with a lot of people from Long Island. So I didn't get in the city right away. Um, Nancy got the good job first um and then i actually so through college i put myself through college working at benelli auto sales up in cleona actually i knew chris who had staley's automotive in the rear and me and him would buy and sell cars together and i did that to like put myself like after i started at hack i quit cheney's and um, I got with Chris in, in selling, like, you know, four-wheelers and dirt bikes. And then we were doing it. A buddy of mine, actually, Craig, I was doing it with him first. And so we ended up just wheeling and dealing four-wheelers cool. and dirt bikes. It was yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, and then I helped Chris open Staley's. And then I ended up working for Joe, his uncle in the front, and I would detail cars. And then he'd let us sell our own cars through him. Like, we had our dealer's license through him. Oh, nice. And um, so we would sell some off the lot. So through college, I would clean a car a week. On Saturday, he'd get a day off. I'd come in and clean cars. If someone needed information about a car, I'd do that. Um, so when we first moved to New Jersey, honestly, like we moved, like and the economy was in the tank, so there yeah. wasn't like a lot of opportunity. And I realized I totally screwed up by going to Millersville because they were, like, useless. Really? Yeah. Like, the one thing I learned is if you're going to go to a school for something specific, if you're going to want to do something specific, go to a school that has connections with that. Millersville, and I shouldn't say this on podcast, but I don't care, like, they made promises that they definitely didn't know how to keep and, like what? Like Well, they had said, I actually went there first to talk to them. I'm like, this is what I want to do. I want to move to New York City. And the teacher that, like the professor that talked to me was like, oh, well, we've had multiple students, you know, in New oh, York City. Yeah, we, yeah. we have a student. Like that, hype it up. Yeah. At, at MTV. You know, we have connections there. Oh, wow. And I was like, cool. And that's I was perfect. Like, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, that's exactly it. Cool. So when it came down to like, you know, getting an internship, I went back and I was like, cool. Like, hey, I'm going to graduate in here. Like, how do I do this? And they looked at me literally and they were like, we don't know like how they did it. Like they kind of did that on their own and they completely misrepresented like themselves where actually I met so many people in New York from Kutztown and Kutztown had an amazing program that like helped people place them, got them in internships and stuff. And I was just like, why didn't I go to Kutztown? So things you learn later. Hindsight, right? Yeah. And I've always said to since to people like, but again, having no family that really went to college, I just thought you go, you get a degree, you get, Hey, I have this degree. Yeah. And, where I realized and it opens up doors, you know. Yeah. Doesn't. But it does. But I realized real quickly, people would go, where'd you go to school? I'd go Millersville. They go, huh? Right. But if you went to like a Penn State, people knew Penn State. You yeah. Know. Or like realistically, I did a lot of acting in New York, and I'll tell you that in a bit. But like those dudes, you know, if you went to NYU, definitely open doors. You yeah. know, because it's just people, it's NYU. So but yeah, so that was one of those things you learn as you go. Huh. But I actually for the first year and a half or more. I would drive back just to make it work. I would leave Wednesday morning at like the crack of dawn. I'd come back and and open the shop up at nine for Joe. And then I'd clean a car Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'd sleep on my buddy Chris's couch. And then I would drive back Friday after I got done. Usually I get home like one in the morning. And then, wow. but that was enough to just make, you know, ends meet. And mm-hmm. then, so Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, it was all just trying to do acting, trying to get job, like looking for a job, trying to send out headshots, figuring out the whole acting thing. Cause that was something I was learning from scratch. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was an adventure, but I was still had a foot in Lebanon for like a year and a half. Wow, you know what a like, commute,
0: like, you know,
1: <laughs> to, to chase your dream. You know, it's amazing what people will, will do.
0: I mean, that's a lot of hours, a lot of driving, you know. I mean, but it wasn't too bad when you think
1: about it because yeah. it was, you know, I would leave New York early enough and I was going the wrong direction in the right way. So nobody was going True. away from New York. Everybody's so, going in. Yeah. So yeah. I, I had a clean sailing, and then when I'd head back, like Friday night, like it was no big deal because we lived near the Meadowlands. So okay, if there we were, was I, I something there. going on at the Meadowlands, like you were hosed. Like if you yeah. get off the Meadowlands and like make so Nutley was right up the road, and then we ended up buying a house three years later that was like just a little further up and over in Clifton, which was the Polish section, which was really cool because my wife's half Polish. Okay. And her grandparents, we were able to buy a house because we. Um, inherited a small amount of money from her Polish grandfather, who was a realtor in Philadelphia, got his own business. And that's how we managed to get a house. And it just so happened we ended up in the Polish section of Clifton. And my wife was like, my Jaji's looking out for me. (laughs) It's meant to be. It was so cool. But yeah, so anyway, um, long story long, worked at Cheney's and did that. Then came back and then um, eventually I got some temp work and then then the temp work moved temp in jersey then i got temp work in the city and then i ended up at cbs broadcasting
0: what was that like working you know for cbs broadcasting in new york take us through like what was day 1 were you were you the coffee guy cuz you see a lot of the- TV uh, shows and and, movies, it's like, oh, the intern or the new guy's always getting the
1: coffee and the donuts or, you know, go get this for lunch. You know, what was it like? Well, I never had a lot of luck getting into production jobs. Like I I didn't, and and they're hard to get. And so when I first got to New York, what I found out was from people that knew, they're like, okay, so you, because I thought like I could get a job like as a grip PA, a production assistant. That's the lowest you can be. I thought I'll get a job as a PA, hopefully make money that way and try and do acting. And, um, because acting, obviously, when you try to do acting, you're doing, you're working for free for at least a couple years yeah. until you get, you know, Portfolio, right? a right. little bit of like a, reel, clips a of real clips of what your work is okay. a real, um, you build your resume, you meet people, you know, you kind of get, get moving, you know, you're going to do that for free. And then when I talk to people, they're like, okay, if you want to be a PA, here's how it works. You're going to work for free for about three years. Wow. And they go, if you're lucky, you'll start to get money around for the fourth year. And I'm like, I might as well just focus on acting and do that for free. That's what I want to be doing. Yeah. And to be honest, there wasn't a ton of PA jobs. Like, I mean, I'm sure I could have gotten something if I was working for free, but it's not, again, like opening big doors that way. So I was like, if I'm going to work for free, I might as well pursue the thing I came here to do. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing like the whole temp thing. And I ended up first, oh, So when I ended up in New York, I first ended up for CBS. It's funny. So CBS has the mothership. Um, I think it's 524 West 57th, and then on the other side of the street, it's called the BMW building, because it's BMWs on the first floor, really crazy glass, you know the cars, yeah. it's, oh, it's yeah. the BMW building where they sell BMWs, and then they had a couple floors up higher. I ended up there through a temp agency because I had a broadcasting degree and I ended up in accounting because they were what? doing an equipment, um, they were going around trying to reconcile the books with all this equipment. So basically, they had me come in and they were like, hey, you're going to help this lady and we're trying to locate all this equipment that we don't know what happened to it. Whoa. So I was like, all right. And they were like, you know what a lot of it looks like. And I'm like, sure. you know, And some of it I did. Yeah. Um, and I was like, sure. And they're like, okay. And so, when you say about where you started, they literally put me in a closet. Like it was a closet. Doing
0: like inventory, looking up equipment, and I mean, like I, had. I had
1: a computer in a closet. I mean, there was, like, they literally, like, made space. It was a closet. I mean, I had my own office, technically. (laughs) I was
0: going to say, in New York, a closet space is, like, you know, uh, a three-bedroom house here in Lebanon, you know, if you think about it. But what's funny is
1: I came in one day, and I couldn't pull my desk in because they – my chair in because they stacked boxes under my my desk. And I was, like, what is going on? Thanks, guys. Because I was literally in a closet. So from there – um, that lasted quite a while, and then from there it shifted over. They said, you know, I think actually right when it was going to end, they said, hey, there's a place in engineering at CBS, and I was like, cool, because in my head, like you're saying, I was just like CBS, you know, yeah, like at least huge. this is somewhat in my degree, right. you know, hopefully I can get into Everybody something. Everybody knows CBS, I right? Mean, you know, yeah. the funny thing is, what you learned, what I learned was though, New York. So I like doing film and television. New York is not the place to go if you want to do film and television. Oh, no. Basically, at the CBS Mothership, mm-hmm. you know they did the news. They did um, BHT, um, BET um, shows there. Um, yeah, they did, but nothing like scripted. It was all the live stuff. Um, they did Forty Eight Hours, Sixty Minutes. I met Andy Rooney. Oh wow. And yeah. I laughed so hard. He was super I was saying, nice. How was that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I met actually, I, I was dealing with his editor was very nice and he was helping me with something. And, but, I, um, Andy Rooney, I, I, I didn't meet, like, I didn't like talk to him really. Like I would see him though. Mm-hmm. And before I let, when I got the job at New York, a guy, I did a, uh, the dude that was my DP on the Creek. Um, he, he's like, if you see Andy Rooney, punch him in the gut. He goes, <laughs> that guy drives me nuts. Yeah. And he started laughing and, um, and I, the first time I saw him, I just started laughing. You punched laughing. him in the gut? No. Okay, good. <laughs> he
0: was so old. Like, really? you were just like... Frail?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, God love him. Like, he, a car would drop him off out front, and he would, like, eh, hey, you know, like... <laughs> right, I can picture it. And I, the first time I saw him, I just started laughing, because I was like, dude, it, honestly, you felt like he'd go to dust. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I called <laughs> right. my buddy, I was just like, dude, I just saw Andy Rooney. He's like, did you punch him in the gut? And yeah. I'm like, no. No, that might like, kill him. Know, yeah, right. right. Yeah. Like, um... But yeah, so they were like, "It's an engineering." I said, "Cool." And they had me temp in there, and I ended up being like an admin in engineering, and that was neat because I do like the technical side of things too. And like in school, I, I wrote, I wrote a script, you know. I, I we we produced stuff, edited and stuff. So yeah. it's kind of like you know, it was neat to see. I was there when they redid Letterman to HD from as standard definition to oh, high wow. definition. And when I left, I believe, they were shifting. It was when Colbert was taken over, and then they were redoing all that. everything. And yeah. it was cool because to see, like, I would run over. They'd be like, oh, go over. Because the engineering would work with what they called the shop, and the shop would implement what engineering did. And so then they would design the whole studios. Wow, the whole set and everything. Oh, everything. Well, the sets were actually not them, so you'd have a set designer that did that. But oh. they did all the wiring, the nuts and bolts, the equipment, uh, okay. you know all the stuff like the all the bones of it was engineering hmm. so i they'd be like they were over there for months i mean to working on that and so it was cool getting to see that stuff my boss gave me one of those pencils i guess letterman had those double eraser ones that he'd throw at the camera all the yeah. time um it really pissed my boss off because he was actually the dude that did the cameras and he's like those cameras are like five hundred thousand dollars yeah and he's throwing pencils at him and i was just like well he's letterman he kind of he kind of do that yeah yeah you yeah know, like but it was cool like like cbs was fun and they knew my deal and they ended up hiring me like a year or two into temping there and but it was nice because i'd be like hey i have an audition at two and they're like cool and like as long as you like did what they asked you to do and i supported like multiple people but as long as they did what you had they you know they'd be like hey can you do this can you do that and again it was admin stuff like it wasn't complicated you right. know you're kind of just like sure and you do it you hand it to them and act, and the funny part is so to jump ahead a little just to say this, so I did the movie The Creek and I did that when I was there. So I was acting for the whole time and I did a lot of like independent stuff and things like that. And um, so when I did The Creek, which is my own movie, when I edited it, I actually edited half of it at work and I would bring a laptop and a hard drive and all the desks at CBS you all have TVs because it's CBS and they were always on and you can only watch so much history channel stuff, (laughs) you know? Yeah. (laughs) And um but I would hook up my laptop and everything to that TV as a monitor and I have my hard drive and I'd sit there. And so, and like, so my desk was an L. So I'd like be this way working. And then when I didn't have to do that, I'd turn this way and I'd just be editing. And like the one day I didn't realize it was loud enough. The one engineer came up and he's like, he's like, dude, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, I'm sorry, man. I didn't know. So. He's like, no, no. I just hear like someone screaming. I'm like, what's going on? Let me see. And he was like all he into He was excited. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, because, and I think we were like killing Nancy in that scene. Like, she's like, no, Oh, belly. your wife was in the tooth? Yeah, she oh, was okay. in the creek. Yeah. she yeah. just actually, she had done some light modeling and acting before when she was going to Kutztown. Okay. But like, but she wasn't like her main drive. Like, it was one of those, if it would have taken off, she would have been like this is cool. Yeah. But it wasn't like, and she likes to act and stuff, but it's not like her main thing. Like she really does like design and what she mm-hmm. does. So yeah, no. And I, I can tell you about that then, but so the story, cause you said, start at the beginning and go to there. Yeah. Um, but so we ended up in New York for nine 11 and the blackout, um, which was different and it, it shapes you a little bit. Yeah. And the, the nine 11 was obviously nine 11. I wasn't in the city that day. My, Nancy was my super who was amazing. Um, he would always say your name. He was funny. Like, um, he was this Hispanic dude, and he, mm-hmm. he'd always be like, "Yo, Eric, yo, Eric, yo, man, Eric, you gotta come here, Eric." And I would come back and, and tell Chris and my friends, and they'd all start letting. They're like, they'd be like, lewis and I was like, "Cause, but that's just the way." Dude, I love people say like, "What do you miss about the city?" I miss people. Like, yeah. I miss the flavors. Like, I worked with so many different people, from so many different places. Yeah. You know, CBS. I worked with a guy from the Dominican. He, no, he was from Puerto Rico, a girl from Dominican Republic, a dude from Barbados, a dude that came over from the Eastern Bloc, and wow. he was the nicest man, but he spoke slowly really yes he was uh, Bogdan dude, super nice guy yeah. like, nicest dude you'll ever meet and um, I met a dude though actually from Lancaster Mr. Byrne he just messaged me the other day on LinkedIn which was nice he's retired now but yeah you, you met like all these flavors of people and, and I love accents I love you know all that stuff so yeah Lewis was like yo Eric you gotta come up on the roof Eric Eric you gotta see this so me and him went up on the roof of the condos where we lived and like you could see the buildings like you know from there it was like a direct sign and a direct line of sight and yeah it was that was a yeah and you couldn't get a hold of Nancy phone lines I was gonna say like yeah what were you thinking at that time with Nancy being in the city well and especially like she being where she was that's like a main hub Yeah, so you were like I mean, it had to be second or third on their list, because if you shut down Penn Station, which is what her building's on top of, or if you shut down (coughs) Grand Central, those are the two main hubs in the city. So, yeah, I mean, all you could do was pray, and you just kind of waited, and she got some emails out to me, and I think she got home at 9 at night that night. Like, she could finally get home. Yeah. And that was hard. Like, that changed. It changed the adventure, kind of. The city Mm -hmm. changed like the whole city had a different vibe. I was to "What what do you mean by that?" Yeah. Like... Well, the city went from like this kind of like land of possibilities and, you know, and New Yorkers like everyone's you know like, "Oh, you know, they're they're this, they're that, Oh, know, they're mean or they're No, here's what it is. If you live in New York, mm-hmm. you're taking mass transit. If you're in New York City, you're right. taking mass transit. If I miss that train, I'm getting home between 35 minutes and an hour later so especially if you're on like a Jersey transit or long Island, you know, a subway, even subway even can be 15 minutes to a half hour, 45 minutes. So like people are moving because you're like, I got to get to that train. I got to get, you know, and, but generally they're very nice. Like, yeah. And that's like, I had a, a person came up, I knew, and he was trying to do acting and I gave him directions and I go, dude, when you come out of the subway, if you're not sure, just ask somebody. And he looked at me like I had four heads and I was like, seriously, like just ask him. Yeah. And he was like, And he came back later. He goes, I did ask somebody. So I wasn't, I was a little confused. And I was like, okay, cool. And he goes, and I waited till they walked away. And I asked someone else to make sure they weren't messing with me. And I was like, dude, they don't have time to mess with you. Like, I have no sense of direction. And this sounds horrible when I say it. But when, obviously the towers going down was like insane. They were my guidepost. Because wherever you were in the city, you could always look up and go downtown. Now I know where downtown is. Oh, this way is uptown. There's no other buildings that really you could do that. Stood out in that tall so I would yeah. come out of the subway after that and I just would be lost because I, unless you walk a block to mm. know like this is where I'm going. So I would always come on the subway and I'd be like, someone would be walking in front of me and I'd go, yo, which way is uptown? And dude, they wouldn't stop, but they'd be like, that There's way. Point and keep going. Yeah, yeah and they're they're like, keep walking. That way. I'm like, Thanks, dude. And yeah. then you take off uptown. And and people are very nice. It's just you're in a hurry. You know? Yeah. It's a different lifestyle. And you're not in a hurry because you're like I know back here I had this conversation with many friends because they're like, oh, everyone's thinks are so important. You know? Mm-hmm. What? And I'm yeah. like no, they want to get home. You know, like you just—it's not here. When you grow up here, you get in your car. You're not used right, to right. It's five minutes or whatever it is to get home. Whatever to, your drive is, it's all train schedules. Yeah. You know? And on when I'd have auditions on the weekends and other times, what sucked was I'm not someone that likes to get somewhere an hour early because I don't want to waste time. But you had to be careful because if a, if a train didn't come, like, you could go from being 15 minutes early to, like, 10 minutes late real fast. So you were always like, ah, oh, I guess I got to leave, like, 45 that minutes early. That makes a now. lot of sense. Like, you know, I feel like
0: New Yorkers can sometimes be portrayed as, like you said, pushy or always in a hurry or just not not always friendly, but it's like that makes a lot of sense. I was like, no, they just want to get home. They just want to
1: keep their schedule, you know, get paid and get home. Like it's just at the end of the day, dude, you know? And it's, and it's, it's just the way it is. And after nine 11, it got harder because like they had checkpoints in places and bag checks. And the one time I, I, I shouldn't have had the, the, the tact I did, but I came out of the a train and you come around and then I had to like make a left and you go up this hallway. I had like three minutes to catch my train, which was of course at the end of the corridor. Oh No. And like, you know, and you're moving because you're kind of like, oh, crap, I got my train. And, like, there was a bag check. And they're like, sir, stop. And you were just like, <sighs> son of a biscuit. Yeah, you know, you're like, yeah. no. And I was like, seriously, like, do I look like a terrorist? It's you know, like, which yeah, is. it's like, check my bag.
0: I got to keep moving.
1: And then so I was like, put the bag down. And I was like, Ugh. And I, dude, I love law enforcement. I mean, I, they're amazing. They have a tough yeah, job. they do. But it was hard in New York because you really, like, you'd come out of subways and there'd be, like, 10 to 15 that looked like they might be 20 to 25 year old young men in SWAT gear with rifles wow after 9/11 and it was just random like I mean it was a lot and it was random and you were kind of like that's uncomfortable that is you know like yeah. it was just and and to me I thought it was a little ridiculous because they were in the subways I'm sorry if someone got there, you're too late. Yeah, you know it's right. like you kind of got to stop before that. Before that, way before that, hopefully, yeah. yeah. You know, and and like we lived, our house was next to a train station, so they would actually sometimes you'd see or you'd go to get on the train, and you'd be waiting because they'd have a bomb sniffing dog going through the train. But it changed the tenor in a different way too, where you all felt in it together. You know, like, and what is funny, like, so when we moved back, I was talking, so I, I had train friends, I called them, and there was people I just hung out with on the train, yeah. and then there were some of them I would walk then, like, we'd walk from um, Penn Station, so I was at 57th and 11th, so okay. Penn Station brings you in at, like, 32nd Street, I think it is, and 7th, so we'd pop out the 8th Street side, we'd walk down 8th, and, like, we, the, the one dude would peel off at 50th, the other dude peel off here, this and, great. Know, yeah. it was like fun, yeah. and we'd just keep chatting, you know, hey, oh yeah, hey, have a good day then, and then the, my, one of my last days, I was saying to him, like, you know, like, I feel bad. I go, I know I'm a weirdo. But, I mean, dude, I still, like, to this day, like, you just worry about, like, you know, like, something weird. You see something, hear something, say something, you know. Yeah. And, and it was funny because the two dudes I was with were really nice. And they're not the type of people, you know, like, in my brain, I did not think they were the type that would be, like, worried like you know they seemed like they were just another day yeah and both of them were like oh yeah i mean i can't i hope to get out of city at some point this sucks like it just because because of that concern yeah and and you just didn't realize how it shaped people um and how that concern shaped people and it was like even up to that end point when i was leaving like i just really i didn't realize it you kind of feel like it's just you Mm -hmm. but at the same time when we were there for the blackout i think the blackout was the way it was because of 9-11 the blackout was crazy because. So, all right, you know, of course, I, I remember nine eleven. I was, gosh, yeah. A lot of uh, people don't remember third the third grade, but yeah. What's the the blackout? So like two thousand three. Okay, two thousand three. I believe it was two thousand three. It was two thousand three. We had just bought our house. I think it was like in September, October. Something happened with the power grid, and at this time, I was at the BMW building with CBS, and. So what happened was it I forget where it was. It was somewhere like Middle America, and there was a back thing. And later at CBS, when I was talking to them, like they had all backup generators. Oh yeah. And somebody called them, and they were like, "Go on your generator." Like, and basically, it it knocked down like multiple like big substations. And New York City, it was out, and it was New wow. York, and there was another big city. I want to. I, I don't know if it was Boston. It maybe it was just New York. I don't remember. But New York City, like, so it was like three in the afternoon. And I was at my desk in my closet. In your closet, okay. It's in my closet <laughs> yeah. where I belonged. And and they were like, um, all of a sudden, everything just went dark. And the, and the emergency lights popped on. And everyone was just kind of like, you know, and they're trying phones. And the phones weren't working. Or some phones worked. Some things didn't. And all of a sudden, they were like, everyone must leave the building. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And we were like. Terrified. Probably. It's like, what's going on? Yeah. No one knew what was going on. And someone was like, someone's called. They said there's a blackout. And. And I'll tell you the weirdest thing is hitting the streets in New York City and there's no traffic lights. Like everything. Oh, my God. Like you were like, it was the eeriest. Like, yeah. You know, definitely like, you know, people like to watch zombie movies. I and, love it. Yeah. Walking you know, Dead, all that stuff. Yeah. It's like you hit the streets in New York City and there's no lights. You were like, this is uncomfortable. Yeah, this isn't good. And I was like, so I got a hold of my wife right away, luckily. Because the problem, too, is back then, and I assume it would happen now, when you have these emergencies, the cell traffic jams and basically you just get busy signals and i luckily got through to her and she was down at penn station okay and she goes she's like they kicked you out of the building I'm like, i don't know what's going on and she's like just come down here just get down here and i go okay i go down eight street is how i would go down eight streets where the bus terminal is as soon as you yeah. hit eight street there's a sea of people because people are trying a lot of people are just headed for the buses like you know trying to just anything so as soon as you turn the corner all the bodegas literally were just like, like locking all yeah. the, like the gates, the the security gates were all coming down, just bringing them down. Yeah, and in your head you are like, is this going to be all right? Was, it makes it even more freaking. You are like, Well, obviously they know something, and so I got down to her building, and she like let me in, and because again it was almost like zombie apocalypse, like you know you couldn't get in unless you know like they weren't yeah. just letting anybody in. So and it was it was like I think it was like a September, but it was like hot, like okay. it was a hot September. So I get in the building, we're there, we're hanging out. All of a sudden, like her one bigger boss was like on the phone yelling at somebody. And he comes out and basically they kicked us out of that building because that building, her company rented floors on. And the place that owned the building was like, nope, everyone out. So we made like a caravan. And when we came out, (laughs) it was crazy because people were just everywhere. Like it was just literally like laying, sitting in the streets, like in the sidewalk, everywhere. because. There was nowhere to go, and we were literally at Penn Station. So people were like, "Well, if I'm going to get out of here, I got to get Co- out through Penn, Penn Station. Station." Yeah, you couldn't walk through the tunnels. So basically, it was a little bit of a game of Survivor. People made like tribes, okay, and it was like you know, well, we live in Brooklyn, stick together, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they were like, okay, and a bunch of people walked back to Brooklyn, like wow. they walked over. The- There's pictures if you Google it yeah. of the Brooklyn Bridge just full of people because they were just up. walking home. Yeah, and wow. you know the ferries ran for a little but they were a hot mess. And then there were people from like Long Island and they were like, all right, we're gonna to try to get home. So people kind of like banded together and all of those New Jerseyites yeah. were like, well. And the people that were left, we all headed up to this other building. And you literally like were stepping around over, around people. in between people's <laughs> legs. And I was like, okay. And um, I helped this one lady who was super nice at work with Nancy, like kinda she was a little she had trouble, wasn't as mobile. So yeah. I helped her and this other guy, like we helped her and we, we got we got up to their building. And if I remember it was around dusk. And um that building, they ended up giving everyone those those silver blankets. You know, oh, yeah, like yeah. the crazy emergency Keep blankets. you warm or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um like and crinkle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they put us in an auditorium. So people just like laid on the stage and stuff. And um, and, and they, they emptied out the, the – they gave us a bunch of food because they were like, it's all going to go bad, like from their cafeteria oh, yeah. or something. And we were all stuck there until 3 in the morning. And then wow. um, someone was like – the path train's running. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh, yeah. <laughs> Let's
1: because, get out of here. Well, and it wasn't Jeez. even the power issue. To some degree, I think when the power went out, then they had to like reset things. Oh, so, it took time. It yeah, took time like so somebody was yeah. like, they were 3, 3.30, someone was like, you know, the train path is running. Because at that time, you had to take the path train to Hoboken. Okay. And from Hoboken, you know, we would actually get a train into Hoboken and then Hoboken, you'd get a path train into New York. And that, that would drop you off like a block away from Penn Station. So we all, like, at 3.30 in the morning, hiked down. We got the train. And, um what we did was the closest person lived at the Meadowlands like be like just before the Meadowlands so we all got a cab to her house yeah. and they gouged us for like $95 like wow. it was something crazy to go like six miles yeah. it was just something ridiculous and so then she took us to our house and then we took the next people to like Edison and like I think we ended up going to sleep around 11 in the morning oh my word you know and, and it was just it was one of those adventures and actually there's a crazy one of the writers um, Gary Tulax he was a super nice dude so at that time I smoked here and there he has an crazy funny blog about me and him like trying to look at cigarettes because there was this one place we found open that like had like lanterns up and obviously you couldn't use credit cards. The the whole story was everybody was like in it together. And I think because of 9-11, like that situation could have been like escape from New York. Yeah, it
0: could have yeah been wild. Or it or it it could have
1: been what it was. And it was actually like everyone just felt like this like we're all in it together. There was no weirdness. I was never scared. I mean, you were scared in the sense you're like, "Well, this is this is pretty freaky." Yeah, like, this is right. Yeah, yeah, but there was no like people doing things that you're like, "Oh wow, this is going to go south." Yeah. like you never had that. You just it was all just a bunch of people that were in a situation that were like, "Well, let's see, like to make the best of it," and um and yeah, so so we were there for both of those. That actually is probably really the reason why we moved home.
0: Okay, I was gonna ask. What did make you want to move back home? I mean, so 2009, you move back home, still doing production work, but you're also the primary then caregiver of your your two sons. You know, so I want to talk about all that. So 2009. I'm sorry, I tangent you up, on you. No, no,
1: you're good. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, it's all very interesting, and it is one of those things you remember the things that touch your life. Oh, you for know sure. more. You know, oh, yeah. So yeah, it's it's definitely one of that. But we ended up moving home because. Like, it was such a different lifestyle. And I say to people when you move to cities, my personal feelings is there's there's two things that, that happen. You either arrive there and you're like, I'm home. You know, like if you grew up in like a small town and you go to New York City, you're like, yes, this is what I've always wanted. Or, I mean, actually there's three. There are the people that are like my dad. He'd come visit and if he made it an hour or two in the city, you were yeah. lucky. Like, he's <laughs> just like, we can go now, you know. But the, the second one was us, which is... It was fun. It was an adventure. Um, we enjoyed it. But you kind of drink your fill. Hmm. And yeah. there's a point where you're kind of like, I'm good, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Like, And it depends on the level of success you have, I'm sure, and other things. But at the same time, like, I never like would want to live in a city all the time or commute the grind of like the train, the, the humanity. Yeah. Oh, the humanity. humanity right like It's like the humanity. Like it just, you know, it's it, got to wear on you a little bit, you know, always being
0: like on schedule. You got to make the train, got to do this, got to do that. Like, and just all the people.
1: Yeah. Like there is, it was nice coming back and there just wasn't a lot of people. Like, you know, you're like, you're not packed in with people everywhere. And it was easier. So when we first moved, you took the path. And I told you, yeah like literally, so I'm claustrophobic.
0: Oh, wow and you're in new york whereas like people are on top of you you're in the subway underground and you're claustrophobic how the hell did that work
1: it wasn't fun okay um i'm one of those people like my wife and i have talked like you know i definitely am i'm i i am always like anxiety is not unknown to me so like like going to new york i think the best way to put it is at one point a close friend of mine in the city was talking to us. We were talking at lunch. We'd always hang out at lunch. We were like, we had we had a nice small family there at CBS. Like we just we were good friends. We'd hang out at lunch, and it's one of those things in New York. You kind of too, I think, built that. Like there was this sort of like more of a camaraderie than I've found anywhere else. Like because you're like kind of trapped in the city for eight hours a yeah, day, yeah, ten hours a day. Um, but we really had like a great group of people. And it's funny when people say things about you that you you realize like they're kind of just saying off the cuff like you know this mm-hmm. and you're kind of unaware of it until they say it. And he was talking how his one daughter had some some anxiety issues and stuff, <laughs> and he was encouraging her. And he said, you know, he's like, look, you know, I said to her, I said, you know, hey, honey, look, Eric, you know, he moved here to do acting because he wanted to do acting, and you know, like. You know, he's claustrophobic, and, and, and this and that, and he's like, and look, I mean, it's amazing, like, he does all this stuff, and you're sitting there, like, going, like, okay, I didn't know I was this weird, like, <laughs> is it that obvious? Clearly, you know? I'm yeah. weird, like, I try to hide it. Um, <laughs> way, to, way to put me on the spot. And on one yeah. hand, I was like, it was so nice that he was, like, using, like, I was like, wow, that's amazing. On the other hand, I was just like, okay, they all know I'm weird, I guess. <laughs> But so for me, moving was it was I knew going into it like again, Lebanon was a bubble. Like yeah. my parents were literally like when I moved, and my mom will probably say she wasn't, but they were. Put your wallet in your front pocket.
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> don't keep it in the back pocket, no, right? Pickpocket pick you <laughs> your wallet, in your front pocket.
1: <laughs> right. You know, like I literally did think going to New York, like there were people around turns, like you know, corners, just waiting just to, waiting to pick yeah, pockets, yeah, like yeah. pickpocket. Yeah. I never put my wallet in my front pocket just for spite. Oh, you were ballsy. I was, I was ba. Yeah. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> I was That's dangerous. That's you were. Um, Living on the edge. But, like, you know, like to them, though, especially, the city was scary. You know, the city's dangerous. And, right. you know, and, and my dad, like, he lamented, he was like, oh, I just wish it wasn't New York. And I was like, why? And he's like, just all the drugs. And, you know, and I was, like, I, was like, I was like, I was like, I hate to tell you this, Dad, but I know where to get drugs here. I was going to say, it's everywhere. I was I like, no,
0: it's sad, but it's everywhere. I don't know where to get
1: them in New York you know what yeah, I mean right right like, yeah because right local yeah dude I grew up here I, yeah I knew where to who was into yeah. things I should they shouldn't you know across to. the streets
0: the house you know or There's, on the corner there it's like you
1: grew up there was you stuff, see cops watching you know and, yeah exactly I, I knew people that went to jail like yeah I knew people like, but in New York I was like dude I don't know anybody there yeah you know I was like I wouldn't know where to even ask and yeah I, and I don't think I would want to you oh, know yeah. like you know that's a whole different ball game of weird you know right um it's not the kid in that you knew from fifth grade that oh, yeah kind of went the wrong way yeah. you know this is there like, were signs exactly. you know yeah, there yeah. Were signs. so when i went i was like but that was that, that it was challenging because the first subway like i was telling you that path train oh, yeah. i would literally wait till a new one came in and so basically i'd get there one would pull in people would come out a bunch of people would go in right. and i would stop right before the door and let other people buy yeah that would close take off next one would come in and um Open up, people come out. Well, then I was the first one, so I would rabbit for the back corner, and then I'd get a book, and I'd like just stand like this, and because you you'd be packed in so tight, Tight. I believe it. You're just holding your arms in front of your face with your book, and I would just literally be like. It's going to be all right. You know? I can do this. I can do this. I keep reading my book. Yeah. And and then you pretty much try to ignore the fact that in the tunnel, you'd see water, like...
0: (laughs) Dripping down. Oh, wow. Because it went under the river. Yeah. You are like... It goes under the river, right?
1: That's probably not good, That's nerve-wracking.
0: Yeah. Just in general. Just in general, but... If you're not used to it. Yeah, if you're not used to it, especially. And I don't want to jump too far ahead because I had...
1: I'll tell you a million stories and you're going to get a three-hour podcast. You're (laughs) going to... This could be the longest one ever. I mean, so far we're on track. I apologize. Isn't a bad thing. No, no,
0: it's like a, you'll hold the record then <laughs> until I get somebody else that you know has a story, and that's what everybody has story. That's a so, rambler, exactly. So, okay. okay, all right. So, I want to touch on uh, 2006. You were in a horror film for Warner Brothers called The Murder Game. Yes. In that film, your head was cut off. So my yes. question is, how
1: much of a pain in the neck is it to get your head cut off? Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, It is not, it actually is not a pain in the neck to get your head cut off. It is a very strong pain in the neck to get a fake head made that they can cut off. But what happened was the murder game actually was kind of funny i didn't want to do it at first because it was it was a buddy of mine that i had done actually a weird project it wasn't weird but like it was a weird coincidence of a project i did back here in lebanon before i left i acted in a thing called the welcomers okay and i met this dude named jason contino and paul just for his last name he did the welcomers and he actually shot film and it was this weird deal like i'm like i'm moving it. we already were like set to move and I think, I don't know, I think I might have even came back. They shot it, like, out at the racetrack and places, oh, wow. I believe. And, it, like, um, it was actually just one of those things you're like, I'm moving, but I'm shooting something in Lebanon. This is weird. And I met Jason, and he was fresh out of school, film school. We stayed in touch. We liked to you know, like, became friends. We hit it off. We stayed yeah. in touch. And him and his good friend, Rob Harari, were like, we're going to make our own horror movie. Like, they were horror movie. All my people, like, that I know are, like, horror movie crazy people. I grew up and Living Waters Chapel up near from Lions Lake, Pentecostal. Uh, I didn't even know most of the 70s music when I graduated high school because it just wasn't played in my house, you know? And, like, horror movies were not on my thing. And it wasn't even just a religious thing. I just – they weren't my bag. Like, I liked movies, but I liked – I did horror movies were not my thing, and these dudes were like you could name. It was funny on set for the Creek, dude. They would name the most obscure horror movie, and one of them were like, dude, I that was remember when the dude's hand and you know and they're like, and I was like, you people are crazy pants. So anyway, they were like, we're gonna make our own horror movie, and then he knew I was doing acting in New York. He's like, Dude you ought to audition for it? And I was like, he, you no, know, he sent me the script because I write scripts, and he was like, hey, read the script, learn what you think. Dude, it's a really cool idea. You know those big um, storage units? Yep. Like multi floor ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they live outside Philly. He did. And the other dude, I believe, lived outside Baltimore, if I remember. Um, they had one. They knew the owner. The owner said, you can shoot in here. So they wrote a script where these kids played the murder game, and they'd hand out cards, and okay. they were these kind of unique cards, and one of the cards would be the murderer. So you'd hand out the cards, and then whoever the murderer was, you know, would try to murder the other people, and everyone had, like, they used, like, an aluminum foil ball as a gun. You know, they had little things okay, like that, and right. it, it literally was a game. A game. And yeah, it was just a game for fun. Right. Right. teens no one's... would play. Yeah for fun and the one goes dude he's like we ought to go in that thing my dad has a spate there we'll hide in the thing when it's over we'll come out we'll, we'll play in there that'll be creepy and that was the concept and the script was really fun and he was like you got to do this and i was like i was 32 i think yeah and i'm like it was one of those I'm like, dude, I'm not gonna like you don't want to you know, like I'm too old. Like they were literally eighteen. Oh, oh so they're like young teenagers. No, They were supposed to be, be like 18, yeah. 17, 18. Okay. You know, I, I lived through nine oh two one oh the first time and I was like, dude, yeah. I don't want to be Andrea, you know, right. like um and so but he was like, No, 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 dude, you gotta read, you gotta read And I was like, All right. So I ended up reading and, and him and his um his partner, Rob, they were like, Dude, yeah, we want you to play Dexter, I think. Was it Dexter? Yeah, yeah, I looked it up. Dexter, Dexter. Yeah, yeah, the character Dexter. Yeah, that's amazing. You're we making my brain go in places. It hasn't been in a while. Been in a while. So it was Dexter, and it was me and this other dude. Vince was his real name. Super cool guy, very talented. Um, we were like the stoner two okay. out of the pair, and um, and it, dude, it, so it was this really fun thing. And so he's like, "Hey, they got a special effects guy out of Jersey City, which was near me in New Jersey, to do your head." He goes, "I'm gonna come up. We'll get a prosthetic head made." And I'm like, "I was like, all right, yeah, whatever." And I'm like, "Just whatever." Yeah, no. To get a prosthetic head made, I mean, literally, they put straws in your nose. He put uh, toilet paper cardboard in my mouth, and you breathe from there. And they just Jeez. pour plaster, yeah. you know, all over you, your head, and you just gotta. And again, claustrophobic. <laughs> and dude, I was yeah. like, and I couldn't freak out because Jason is a good friend, and he he's the kind of friend that is definitely gonna never let you forget if you freak out <laughs> and make fun of you forever. Yeah. And I was just like, <sighs> so you're breathing through a. <laughs> A cardboard, A cardboard, and then two straws up, up your, your nose.
0: nose. So uh, the straws up the nose, I mean, uh, you're trying didn't to do breathe. I was going to say, didn't yeah, do it much. probably didn't help at all. Not
1: much. No. <laughs> it was very annoying, actually. I believe but it. But I guess it kept it also from maybe getting in the nose, in the nose more. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And then you had to wait till it hardened. And then the dude had to cut so you you're out of it. you just
0: sitting there. It's hard. <laughs> just had to sit there.
1: Probably for, what,
0: an hour or so? I don't even know. Like, how long it's that been take? a
1: long time. It probably was a half hour, I think. Oh, you kind of had to just sucks. sit there with this stuff on your head. And yeah. I was just like, you, and you, obviously you can't see. I mean, it's just. Covering it, everything. Yeah, yeah. You just had to sit there. And then Jason was making fun of me. And uh, he's like, he's going to freak out. And <laughs> I'm like, I hate you. But yeah, so they made it. And then the funny part was they would they told me, I don't know if they still do, but um, Rob would use it in his window at Halloween when he decorated. Oh, Phenomenal. Like he's like, dude, your head's in my home. you know. Like, so my my head might still be gracing someone's That's window. Cool. Although that head definitely has more hair than I do now. So oh, nobody would know. Yeah, okay. I had I had hair then. Like yeah, it was. You know, I was concerned about that too. And they were like, No, no, it looks fine. And I was like, And actually, looking back on it at the time, I remember I was just like, Okay, yeah, I don't look. It, it was better than I thought. But yeah, I was very hair conscious from an early age. I did not want to go bald. And um, it happened. You just embrace it yeah, now. Yeah I'm, have, yeah, I'm embracing it. Nothing you can do. No, nothing you can do. Right. So, right. Yeah. So that's what so, the murder game the happened, murder happened. Game. and they went out through. Yeah. Eventually, it was like Warner Brothers is like the out that it went through. But okay. but yeah, it was it was fun. And actually, they just did a remastered HD like anniversary edition. Mm-hmm. It's on Tubi. So, hey, if you're listening to this, you can watch The Murder Game on, it's like all those, Amazon, Tubi, you can rent it. Perfect. they did an HD remaster of it. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was a, like they took it in a slightly different direction. Like the script was like actually really creepy. And the movie's fun. But they made it more fun. Like they kind of kept in some things that kept it a little lighter. and it, And it's just a fun movie. They say movies get made three times when they're written, when they're directed, and when they're edited. Uh, and makes sense. I can tell you from doing all three of those things, it's 100% true. You can totally change the movie. And from the script, I remember reading it thinking, oh, it's going to be dark and creepy. Parts of it were, but it also, like, my character and Vince's, I mean, we were definitely like, the comic relief. and Like, like said,
0: Shaggy and Scooby. That's what it reminds me of. Pretty much you was. Know? Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. And he he had said the, their biggest complaint was people were like, dude, you should, like, definitely. They were like, you killed them too soon. You know, oh. like, because we died fairly early on, and they were like, "Oh, you should have kept them in longer. But oh. but we were pretty awesome. And, yeah, so the getting the head cut off part was actually extremely easy and non-stressful. It was the making of the head. The that building was, of like, the head. Horrible. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Jeez,
0: brutal. So that was 2006. I want to kind of wrap up you moving back here. So, yeah, pick up from, like... Okay,
1: chronologically, I was doing a lot of acting in New York, but it's hard. Like, you got to make breaks, and you got to, like, I was actually... If out of five auditions, I was landing three things, which like odds wise is insane. Like nobody, like I talked to other actors and like when I started, when I started, you do like 20 auditions you're lucky to hear anything back. You do 50 auditions, you didn't hear something back. I mean, it's it's all about rejection. It's, it's, it's pretty soul crushing, but I believe you get used to it. And the one thing people told me that I learned early on, thankfully was you, you, you audition and you forget it. You know, because in the beginning, you're always kind of like, well,
0: I mean, I, I hope they call me back. Or, yeah.
1: yeah. 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 I'm waiting by the phone. Yeah. Think about it. And it, it was horrible. Like, but once you realize you're like, you go in, you'd give it your best. You feel like, you know, as long as I felt like I like gave a good audition, I didn't worry about it. Because sometimes what you were doing what just wasn't what was in their head you know and sometimes people don't know how to like a director doesn't know even how to convey that for me when i audition people i always let the actor kind of just do what they think and then i'll be like okay now can you try it this way and i always tell them like it's not because you did it wrong i want to see what you can do and if i can shift you and and how how flexible you are and people like okay um but there were some auditions like you do and you totally realize like it just wasn't in their head but then there's other ones you did and there was like one in particular i did it and it was just like you could read it on their faces like they were like and i said to my wife later i was like i don't care if i get that part or not yeah but they should at least call me i nailed that i was like i nailed that and she was like really and i was like i'm telling you and that one was actually pretty cool because they called me like two days later i auditioned at the end of the day and they looked like tired and slightly Mm. angry (laughs) and i did the audition (laughs) here we go i know right and i was like hey how's it going and i did the audition and, dude, all their faces they were just like, wait a minute. And I was kind of – and it was one of those you leave and you're just like, boom, you know, like, I know I nailed it. Yeah. So they called me two days later and the guy goes – he goes, I have to apologize. He's like, we're casting somebody else in this. And I was like, I get it. And he goes, but you were the first person all day to get it. He goes, we literally what? thought we wrote something that was just not – in reality, doable. Like no one understood it. Yeah. He goes, "You were the first person that like got it," and he was like, I, "I just." He goes, "And I'm sorry, but the other person had the look we wanted." He goes, "More so than you did," and and he's like, "You know, so well you know." And I go, "No, I totally get it." And as an actor, if you don't make your own projects, that's like so frustrating. You're, you know, you're like. Well, that's a bunch of crap. Yeah. It's not. Like, yeah. once you do your own project, so when we did The Creek, so I did I did a short. I think it might even be on IMDb, the whole short. It was this weird piece that I did that was really fun, and I was going to do another short, and Jason and his partner, Rob, were like, why are you doing another short? And I said, well, because, you know, I mean, I want to do another project. I want to push something forward, you know, I want to make something, and he's like, just do a feature, and I was yeah. like, <sighs> you know, and they were in the middle of I think they were at the time in the middle of post-production, sorry, on, um Murder Game. Oh, the, the Murder, murder game. game. Yeah, the Murder Game, yeah. And, and they were like, just do a feature. And I, he goes, think about it. He goes, you're doing like 80% of the pre-production work. He goes, you know, why go to all that trouble? A short really doesn't have legs. Like, yeah. you know, a feature is a feature. You can actually sell it maybe, you know, hopefully, put in festivals more. I mean, shorts, there's a lot of festivals, but... They really don't have a lot of life. If you're going to do it, go all in. Yeah. He goes, you already did a short. So I thought about it and I talked to Nancy and it was like, you know, it was one of those moments where you're like, well, you know, it, it was a commitment. Where does the money come from? Because there's definitely right. like, it's going to cost something. She wanted to wait a year. And I said, okay, but you do want to have kids. And she's like, yeah. I go, okay, well, if we wait a year, mm-hmm. then it's going to be, you know, this year when we do this and this year when we do that. And then it's done editing And then, you know, I go, so that's going to push kids back this far. And she goes, yeah, we better do it this year. And so I wrote the creek specifically for locations I knew I had. So Chris said I could use his garage at night a little bit in the car lot. And then his dad had a cabin out near Lickdale that was in the middle of nowhere. And he talked to his dad and his dad goes, just don't burn it down. (laughs) And I was like, okay, so I got this creepy cabin and I got, you know, the car lot And my mother in law said we could shoot a scene at her house. So I literally wrote the script for the locations I had. And then we cast two girls out of New York City. Um, I did castings in New York, which was fun. Yeah. Um, Well, dude, when you're doing a feature horror, especially now this was 2006, like, Mm -hmm. and even now, though, like a feature people get excited about and horror they get excited about because, like, Horror is one of those weird things that it doesn't need a lot of money, but it could catch fire. Yeah. Where like dramas. I see what you're saying. Or right. as you know, I had over a thousand headshots sent to me for like eight roles. In Holy that. cow. And it was, and there was people from California that were like, huh. I'll pay my own airfare and, you know, just please consider me because it's tough. And if you're in LA, the thing is I told you, New York doesn't have a lot of like television and film. It has theater. If you want to do theater, go to New York. Go to New York. That's a place. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, that's that's a place to be. L.A., though, really, if you want to do film and television, to get those better roles is even harder. And so we narrowed it down, and actually, like, some of the stuff – I wrote one – one of the characters I wrote for a friend of mine from college who always wanted to act – and I said to him, you know, if you put the time in and you hang out and stuff, like, like show me you can do it. Work with me, and he showed me he could do it, and he was dedicated to it. But the thing was, I wrote it for him because he had the perfect look. He was really nice. Um, I hated him, like when I first met him. He's one oh. of those people. Did he just look like a prick? I you know you. what I mean. You're yeah. just like the vibes weren't good. You're just I like, don't mm. think I like you. Yeah. You know. And then I got to know him, and did he was a nitwit, and he was fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. But he had that air about him. Mm-hmm. And with when you watch this, if you do, he plays Calvin. Okay. And Calvin just his look was, dude, he was ninety percent there, just with his look, his his vibe as was. So going back to the other story, when the guy was like, "Hey, you nailed it," but we cast this other dude, mm, I was yes. like, "I get it," because sometimes it's yeah. like like the look can be that much of it that you're like, you know, and as an actor it's soul crushing, but as a director and someone who's done casting, you realize like, yeah, it's kind of true. And it, depending on the character and how pivotal they are to your thing, the look is There's what a lot you need. That goes into it. There's a lot. So, you know, it, it's one of those things. So we did the Creek. Um, I would bring two girls back from with New York with me. So we shot Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday nights for six weeks, I would work, all of us had day jobs. So we would all work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The girls would meet me off at my house from the train. They'd get in the car, I'd drive them back. We'd do an all nighter. That first night, everyone pulled an all nighter. I think it was the fourth week I got really sick. And I went to the doctor and I said, I can't be sick. You got to give me something. And he goes, well, What's going on? And I go, I told him what I'm doing. And he goes, you, How did you think you wouldn't get sick? And I go, It's well, the only way to do it. Like, I mean, what am I going to do? And he goes, well, I it's a cold what well, He goes, I'll give you some antibiotics, but I don't even think – you, you got to sleep. And I was like, okay. So then Sunday mornings, we'd, we'd shoot Saturday night into Sunday morning. And generally Sunday morning, I would just – the girls would were like, of course, like, yeah, I want to get home. So right. I would actually drive straight back to New Jersey. Holy cow. Drop them off at the train station, go home, and just crash. And yeah. then you'd do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday over again. And it was – It was crazy, but again, when you want to do something and this was the way we could do it, you know, we made it work. And for the actors, they weren't obviously needed every night. You know, for me, it was like, you know, you kind of had to. But we took a second mortgage out on our house and that's how we made the film. And we said we got a $20,000 budget and $5,000 for marketing my parents insisted on giving me some money toward it which was very kind of them so we made a movie and yeah so we did film festivals we got winner of the best feature heart at the illinois international film festival oh, cool. which was awesome yeah but honestly like it didn't play in like big festivals but at the time we came out right when hdv was hitting and so we shot on what was the camera to use for low-end films but it was also an SD camera. So it was right on that hub of going HDV, like an HD. And people were, distributors were starting to say like, oh, you know, this is HDV. And they were kind of looking for that. So we really got blessed in that, like we did play in a bunch of festivals, which a lot of people couldn't. And I had people contacting me going like, how did you play in all these festivals? And I was like, you know, telling them what I did and stuff. But the problem is, and people will tell you, like, you know, it's great. Like, you know, the, the stuff's gotten cheaper. You can make stuff cheaper and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people can make movies that want to make movies. And I'm like, yeah, but the sea's so big. And even back then in 2007 when we were doing festivals, the sea had grown so much. People that did festivals that usually got 100 submissions were getting 3,000 submissions. Wow. Because so many people started to make movies. And so many people started to make bad movies. And The Creek... I isn't the best movie you're ever going to see. It's not hopefully by far the worst, but yeah. I'm sure some people will find it to be the worst. But I'm very proud of what we made. Um, it's not a horror movie; it's a thriller. Oh, uh, I but... like thrillers. Yeah, horror movies. Like for
0: for me, I'm not a big. I don't. Lo- I don't like roller coasters, and I don't <laughs> like horror movies. Like I just don't. Now thrillers, I can get into, especially like uh, with suspense and things like that. Yeah. Um. And you know, it's it's crazy to think like you were committed to making this. I mean, you were going, you know, second mortgage, and then. You know, at the same time, you're burning the candle at both ends. Like, you're dedicated to it. Oh, what you got to do. And I
1: I always say to people, they say, why do you make movies or or try to make movies or do what I do? And I always tell people it's because I'm too stupid to stop. Like I just love it. You like, don't know that's why, else, yeah. It's what I love to do, and I and if I was smart, I wouldn't. And most people will tell you that make films like like try to make films. If you haven't had big success, it, it's yeah, it's tough, you know. And you yeah. got to either love it. And I say to people yeah. now, if you want to get into this 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 field, you do it because it's the only thing you love to do. Um, because if you like to do anything else, do that. Like yeah. it's just so, your life will be so much it's easier, consumed, right? You know, but it was cool and it, I learned a lot. And so when I went to college, I got grants for a lot of it. I was really blessed, like hack we paid for. And then Millersville, because I was a non-traditional student, I ended up being able to get grants. So like, that's why my parents gave us some money and they were kind of like here since we'd have to pay for college. And then Nancy always said like, she had like this huge school loan because she went to Delaware Valley and got a horse degree. Wow, wait, He's, a
0: horse degree? What? I always say that to like question:
1: riding horses she, or like she got an associate's degree, veterinarian, in equine but, science.
0: Okay, equi- okay, okay. So, but horse you degree. Could, but
1: her horse went with her to there. She's had a horse, and she oh, was my like, "Sister's big in riding horses." Eleven, like, big. Darn. Oh,
0: I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, well, I mean, it's on. Now she's married, so it's like, she, you know, it's okay. on her husband now. But like, I was she, say,
1: tell her husband, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, it's an investment, right? It's a, it's a black <laughs> hole. You never stop paying for things. But anyway, yeah, that's okay. So. I mean, and that's what's so important too, like with with family, parents, Nancy being so supportive because, you know, if you want to try something that's different, and like you said, some people think you're crazy, might think you're crazy, but it's like to have that
1: support is huge. We need Um, it. I mean, because otherwise you just can't do it. Like without her, her support and and her, and we made all the decisions together and we do. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of our, you know, we we make decisions together, we talk things through and even with like my current projects, what I'm doing and like this, tell them I'm sorry I went to her and I'm like... You know, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm thinking. What are you at with this? Where, where are we at with this? Where, you know, what do you think? And, and you have to, but especially, like, when you're taking a second mortgage out. Yeah. Then I felt horrible, but I was like, I'm not good at raising money. Mm-hmm. I'm not good at finding money. Um, a producer, a real producer, like, does that. Like, they find the project. Like, I can produce, like, line produce. Like, I can make a budget i can shoot on that budget i can do all that side of producing i can get my cast together i can do that the actual like money part like i i'm that's not built into me you know mm-hmm. and people are like oh well, you should see like maybe these person will sponsor this and you get money that way that i'm not good at, i don't like that like i can people are like oh you just i'm like i don't like that. yeah like I'm, it's, it's not just not my thing i'm not yeah. a salesman this i love to do like chat with people is cool oh yeah but not if i have a purpose like not if i'm kind of like in my head i'm going like yeah I gotta get around to that money thing you know right 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 yeah I'm just not geared that way and that's why we ended up the second mortgage because I said to her I "I have no idea how to do this like otherwise like other than this and she was just like okay she's like well if we do this we can do that and and yeah it was a blessing to have her that she was into that and family members brought food at night dude when you shoot all night and it's cold a little cold and uh, we wrecked a car. It was awesome. You wrecked a car? Yeah, we bought like a car that the training was bad for Chris. No, on purpose. And he's supposed okay. to crash into a tree and the one dude at the garage, Nick, he's like, dude, I'll do it. And I'm like, <laughs> Like stunt man? I was like, you serious? He <laughs> yeah. was like, Yeah. And he was like, I go, Well, don't go fa- we don't need to go that fast. The car has to run afterwards because in the script the car actually still runs. Okay. But it hits a tree and then like it still does stuff. And he was just like, I can go faster than this. And I'm like, Oh no. no. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was super cool of him. Yeah. And he, we had the helmet on him and stuff, and like we we changed wheels out so it didn't have the airbag and you know, but No, we was dude, it's you know, the Creek is legit in the sense of it's what's called a no budget movie, but like it's low no budget. So Everybody got paid. Like my budget all went toward equipment and paying people. And that's the problem doing what I do is like Nancy paints. And I always say to her, like I'm jealous in the sense of like, you know, she can buy paints and brushes and a canvas and she can paint against the world's most famous artist. And you still have a shot you're using the same materials. Basically you're using the same stuff when you're doing what I do. Like it, you need certain equipment and people will point to like low budget projects that break through. Like I, Oh God, I hated um, the Blair witch project.
0: That's what I was. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause that was people oh, always bring it up, yeah, which is why it's like a thorn budget, in my side. Right. And it came out right a little bit before we did this. So people, even my distributor was like, I know you think this is another Blair witch. I go, no, no, I don't. Yeah. This is a movie. I go Blair witch was a gimmick and it was, it was a marketing gimmick about every five to 10 years a found footage movie comes out yeah and they go oh this is found footage it's one of those things where like it's just the cycle of life what they did was great i hated watching it like if i had to look up that chick's nose one more time and she's like (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know i was like "Ah." it's like really it's not like to me i just it's not and i was like no that's not what this is and those movies can happen and even a movie like this can take off but the odds of it are so hard and it's usually because you get picked up by somebody bigger that has marketing money you know and, and like somehow they see something in it that they can market it or if you make it and in the meantime one of your actors like the, the girl that plays Catherine ended up on Orange is the New Black like what? Yeah not not a big part but yeah, she's still Orange is yeah. the New Black at one point Nancy's like hey she goes Catherine's on Orange is the New Black and I was like really? I was like cool yeah um, my wife and I used to watch that all the time we, we fell off a little bit on it but <laughs> yeah she okay. had a small part in that um, the guy that plays Coop was actually actually my brother-in-law and I wrote that part for him and he too was someone that wanted to do acting he's out in LA now he's been out there like eight years and um he had a part in a failure to launch remember okay. the Matthew McConaughey yeah. movie oh yeah, yeah um yeah he had a he had a fun wow. part in that and actually so when I was in New York just another side story for you I was every week you go through backstage you go through things I'm mailing out headshots I'm mailing out headshots back then we mailed them no Back emails. then, boys and girls, <laughs> you, just, right? you mailed them. Old school snail. snail mail. And so I found this one. I sent him, I go, dude, you got to submit to this. I go, so my brother-in-law is Brian Jaslowski He grew up here, went to Lemon Catholic. He played for St. Joe's University the year they went to the Elite Eight. Oh, wow. And he played with Jameer Nelson. So tall dude. Brian, the one guy from Russia would call him Mimic Boy. Mimic boy because Brian he can hear your act he can hear you once and he can oh, do He you. picks it up that quickly. I mean, dude, he has an ear that's amazing. Wow. So he it said over six foot five plays basketball Polish accent. He had never auditioned for anything uh-huh. at this point except my movie. Okay, well he didn't audition. I wrote it for him. Yeah, and I knew he could do what I wanted him to do, and I'm like, cool. And I said, dude, you got to send in for this. And he was like, oh, dang. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'll do that. And I was like, he ain't going to do it. So, like, a week later, it <laughs> popped up again. It. Yeah. Hey, Brian's cool, but he's like super laid back back in the day, especially. And so, I, dude, I called him again. I'm like, dude, like, what do you, did you send in for that? He's like, oh, yeah, man. I was going to, but I like totally forgot. Yeah. I guess I should do that. And I was like, dude, send in your headshot. He goes, all right. So, he calls me up. He's like, hey, man, I'm going to be coming to the city like next week. He goes, I got an audition for that thing. I go, cool, what is it? Cause it didn't and a lot of times with acting, they don't go into a lot of it's kinda like here's what we need. Yeah. And um and he's like, Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, all right, cool. So I go, I'll meet you then. So I believe if I remember, like he did the audition. He came to chat with me. And he's like, Yeah, we'll see what happens. It ended up being for failure to launch. He <laughs> wow. got he got the part. He made more money. In that he they flew him to New Orleans. He shot for like three days in New Orleans right before the flood happened. Oh, in yeah. In like 2000, whatever. On um, the hurricane hit, Katrina. Yeah. He he did the scene with Matthew McConaughey and Bradley Cooper. And it was before Bradley Cooper took off. Like that was one of his early stuff. He did the scene. Yeah, made more money than I ever made acting in New York the whole time I was there. Wow. And he still gets residual checks. I'm like, And that's because of you. It. But that's just it is how life works with this business. We ended up, it was right, so this came out in 08. And, and actually, it came out, it was in Blockbuster, Netflix. Oh, wow. I no, love I mean, Blockbuster was,
0: back in the day. Yeah, uh, it was
1: actually yeah. like, you know, it was everywhere. Yeah. Um, I got a good distribution with it. But, like, little movies like this, like, have no, there was no tracking in them back in the day, especially. Okay. Like, my friends that just did the murder game and have released it digitally, so far, they're, they're encouraging me to try to do that with this. There actually is some tracking. There's some information. They actually, at one point, their distributor told them, that they owed them a certain amount of money, but they were not going to pay you. And they were like, well, what do you mean? And they were like, yeah, times are tough. And they got a lawyer, and the lawyer was like, you're going to spend so much. like well, That's not worth it. So I went with someone different, because I had heard people having other problems. My movie had a three-year out. Most were for seven years. And um, I, I got one report, sales report. That was it. Oh, wow. you never give me any more sales reports. Supposedly, I was supposed to start getting like a good chunk of money after they sold like 500 of them and 3000 were printed. I, I got at the end of my deal, I I canceled it after three years. I was like, this isn't helping me. They actually, I didn't know it. We'd already moved back to Pennsylvania. The people that bought our house called us and they go, Hey, there's like 30 boxes here do you like address to you the di- most distributors like they went out through warner brother but they had a distributor between them and warner brother like what are they these this distributor would buy low budget stuff and put it out through warner brother my distributor was the same deal and when he canceled it the main distributor which i believe was ryko they just back shipped all my dvds to me is your address your old address so it was actually i made out the best because all my friends that like them and some other people they knew like they just kind of got screwed. You got no money, no nothing. I got like nine hundred DVDs back, well, and I was go. like, "Yes, yeah." yeah. So, like, At least for you have you, something. I can know. hand these out to people and yeah. be like, "Hey, have a DVD." You know. Right. So it was actually really cool. But here's the thing: we made three thousand in the first run. Okay. I got nine hundred back.
0: <laughs> oh, so you should have got something and that's how the business was you know
1: like i don't know how much better it is i mean it's been a while obviously so yeah you were just kind of hosed like you just you had no leg to stand on they knew you couldn't sue them and the the lawyer actually said they go you'll pay as much to you get back as you're going to pay for me to sue them and they go to be honest what they're going to do is they're just going to incorporate under another name and just keep doing the same thing yeah and they were like oh man so hopefully they're doing great now with what they're doing but so so that happened and then I started I put this here for you 12 bells and actually 12 bells was my next project and I was hoping to do something bigger and that almost got off the ground and I know we're going long on you for like two million and it was awesome I had a uh, a producer out of Philly who my brother-in-law knew actually the one I, I was like bugging about failure to launch he was on board. We went out and scouted um, locations in Minnesota. It was, like, going to happen. They sold the foreign distribution for, like, a million. It was, like, and I was, like, yes. Like, because that's what I was hoping, like, the next step. Yeah. And I shot the trailer, actually, right here in downtown Lebanon across from the, the hack parking lot there on Cumberland, the building next to that, I believe it was, was like a mess. And Bill Simone reached out to me of Simone & Associates. Yes, yeah. Because I was in the Lebanon paper about shooting this movie in Lebanon. We premiered it at the Allen. Dude, we sold out the Allen. Holy cow, that's like 300 plus. I forget how many. I think three 350 or something. Skip, Skip owned it at the time. Okay, yes, yeah. And original, Skip was yeah. like, dude. He goes, I realized you were serious because he started seeing some of the stuff I was putting out because people would hit him up for stuff. He was calling people in to come in because he didn't have enough people. Like, we literally sold the place out. Like, wow. they were putting chairs up. Jeez. And it was so cool the support we got with that. And so, Bill Simone had heard of it. He wanted to move into film in the end of his career. He yeah. had gotten some amazing gear. And, dude, that guy had such a crazy eye for lighting. Like, he just. He, he was so good at his craft and he was like i want to work with you on what you're doing so me and him like with his help we shot 12 bells in that crazy building And so i wrote a script for the wow. building like good. i knew we could use this building so i wrote a script for it shot it in there and if you look up that trailer that trailer looks awesome um so that almost got off the ground we had names attached to it that you would know um that were like tentatively attached but it was one of those, like, mo' money, mo' problems. I say, what happened? Yeah. The foreign distribution was keyed on us casting at least one or two of people that they would give you a list. Okay. And the producer was like, and I just, I still talked to him, and he had said to me later, like, what happened was, he goes, I've never experienced this. They never sent the list. And I kept going, like, well, where's the list? Yeah. And he goes, they just didn't send the list. And he goes, it just, and that made the whole deal fall apart because of it. And you're like, Okay, and so after that, I really loved that project, and my friend Chris Staley had an apartment he rented across from Benelli Auto Sales, a house. He wasn't renting anymore, and he was gonna tear it down and make more parking space for um, Courtwrights, is across okay. the street there. And it was in front of Court, it was Courtrights' old house, actually. He goes, do whatever you want with it. And I was like, seriously? And he's like, yeah. So 12 Bells, we shot here, but lived in North Jersey. We had Asher, he was a baby then. Nancy, really, to go back to your question, she had had her fill, like she was good. like she liked New York, but it was good. She had a baby and she's going and she said she's like, what happens if the blackout happens? like what happens? you know we, we're not we both worked in the city. And right. she's like, what's gonna happen? She really wanted somebody to stay home and I agree like I thought that was a good idea if we could get somebody to stay home especially her like I thought she'd be the one to stay home yeah. with the kids and holy cow you are coming around to my
0: I do, my question I do
1: get back there because even
0: I forgot it I'm gonna be honest but I, I do like where we're going so tangent, please continue but I do get
1: back okay yeah continue yeah. so and I said what you should never say but as somebody I don't know about yourself but like you know as a as a never a father yet potential father basically to be I had a much different perspective than her and I go, well, I go, it's not like they'd kick him out on the curb, you know, like wherever daycare he's yeah. at or something, yeah. which you don't tell a pregnant woman. Like, you yeah. don't do that. I don't think and that would go over well. She was like, and I was like, okay, <laughs> that's, that wasn't okay. But, and actually one of her people that she worked with, they had a baby when the blackout did happen and the nanny took it home and just took care of it. Oh, wow. And was like, and brought her back the next day. And, you know, it was just one of those things. Out. So yada, yada, yada. And Nancy made this weird announcement, like, January, right, when Asher was born. She goes, I want to move home this year by, like, you know, the fall. And I was like, okay. I go, well, that's that's going to be on God because yeah. that's a tough move. Like, right. we have a house. It was right when the housing market took a dump. Right. And it was like, a lot going on. okay. Yeah. The short version is she got the job at Messiah. Um, she actually was on maternity leave, went back. Her work went through a lot of changes. They had a new creative director. She pretty much just cleared out all the old people. Mm -hmm. So Nancy got, yeah, let go. And then two days later, I think Messiah called and said, we want you to start here. (laughs) Meant to be, and God's good. Like he has a plan and I don't understand it or agree with it. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) why? Yeah. Cause I really felt like when I moved to New York, like with all my weirdness and just like the fact that like the way we got to go there, I'm like, good. If I get there and I, and I, you know, it's if I if I um okay this is the wrong way to say it but if I nut up and I do this I was scared to death yeah. you know when I drove that moving truck I can tell you to this day I remember the signs on the turnpike um, and and when I was like getting get onto closer, the turnpike in New closer, York yeah. you can see New York and I can like just like <laughs> right reality yeah, yeah I mean I was shaking like, I was just like this isn't good and Nancy still makes fun of me <laughs> the, the first time she got on the train I was like <sighs> and she's like what and I go if you don't come home what do I do. She's like, what do you mean? I go, like, who do you call? Like, what do you, you know? Especially back then, right, right. Yeah, yeah. you just had phones. Yeah, yeah, and but like, you know, pagers probably. Pagers. You you go to work, like, yeah, I call the police. Hey, who do you even call? Oh yeah, right, right. Like, Where do you call? Do you call New York? Do you call? Do you call your local town? Like. What would you even do? Yeah. And, and I didn't know at that point, like, I'd never been to her, like, how do you even get to her work? I'd never been on a train like that in my life. So it was like, Jeez. I wouldn't even know how to get there. Like, if she had an emergency, right, yeah. how, how do you get how, there? How do you get there, right? and, and my brain thinks of all that weird crap you know, I really thought like, if I moved like that was, you know, doors were going to fly open. I mean, and we were good. We were taken care of. It wasn't the way I thought it wasn't, you know, I really thought acting was going to like blow up, but I did a lot of really cool stuff. And I did tons of these like student films, independent films. But, but at that point it was like life shifts. And Nancy was like, you know, and I always believe personally, like, you know, when you have kids, your life shift should shift to be about them. Yeah. And I was like, all right, you know, this is time to do that. And um and I also always wanted my parents, like my brother had kids, but I'd gotten divorced and his wife took them to Massachusetts. And my parents just like are so cool and wanted to be grandparents so bad. And I was always wanted to like have them around them. Yeah. And my parents have been amazing. Like and having kids with them, like they have the bet like the craziest relationship. So coming home, like you had said, like, why did you come home? Nancy drank her fill. I could have stayed a little longer, but to be honest, it was it yeah. is what it is. And then you reprioritize and people will will say to you at times, they're just like, you know, why would you come back to Lebanon? And I'm like, because I didn't leave Lebanon because Lebanon sucked. I left Lebanon because Lebanon just didn't have what I was trying to do. So I had to go somewhere else to do that. And after living in New York, there's a lot of things, well, North Jersey and working in New York City, there's so many things in Lebanon that you don't have there, you know, and like Nancy's commute is actually the same as it was there, but like her horse is now 15 minutes away. where to have a horse there and afford it, it was like a 50-minute drive. And there's just so many things. Like, we can get home and go on the rails to trails. That's like 10 minutes away. You know, like, you can do so many things. So, you know, each place has advantages and disadvantages, like any decision in life you make. But, like, you know, Lebanon has a lot to offer, and for family, and for education. You know, if we stayed there, the neighbor kids played in the parking lot for the train. (laughs) I would go out and play four square with them. We'd have fun. But my kids grew up, and, you know, they have, like, you know, grass i was gonna say grass trees yeah trees right we live in the woods (laughs) so we actually have like some paths some trees like you know so it's the quality of life here is just so different and, and and it's so worth it we decided to move and god opened those doors for messiah and our house sold and we had gotten our house for a really good deal and so we were blessed the way that worked out and we ended up making the shift back but she got the good job first and doing what I do, like you were saying about Amish Mafia and stuff, my work was flexible from the beginning. And it was like, I can edit. Why well, edit from home? You know, I have my own editing system. So I had an editing system. And when we first got back, I got this big job for some place that was doing an app that they were doing sign language. And it was before anybody was doing that. Yeah. And it was 5,000 little videos of people doing sign, sign language. It was crazy. <laughs> and I way underbid it. Because, like, how do you... I talk to somebody else, and I, they go, I don't even know how I would have... I did you quote that? that. Yeah, and I, I was like, that. Yeah. but at the same time, it was cool. Like it was a work, you know, so I could be flexible. Right. So, so I ended up accidentally being the one that was home with the kids. With the,
0: <laughs> with the two boys, with the two sons. Yeah, yeah. Which is, is very different because normally it's the wife, but yet it it worked out and you're able to still pursue your dream, your your career, however you want to call it, but you're still able to do the things that you loved while also being there to, to support the family and play like...
1: Your role, you know what I mean? Yes. It's been, it was, it was, it was a mental adjustment because it was, wasn't something I was planning to do. And when I first was there with a the baby, you know, yeah. he was, when yeah. we moved back, nine, ten months old, that was definitely like a, all right, this is happening. You yeah. know, when the second guy came along, I knew what I was doing. You knew a little with. bit more. Yeah, oh, I was kind of sure. like,
0: all right, I know what I'm doing. Like, like a seasoned vet almost. You're like, I got this. Okay. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The first one, you're like, oh my God, oh my God, what do the I do? First
1: one's scary as is, you know. Yeah. You, you oh, know, yeah. Like, we
0: have a one year old Parker, you know. The first one is, you're, what do I do here? Right. They're making a noise, you know. Like good like, or bad? Are they okay? <laughs> Are they breathing? Like, what should we do? You know, back is best. Always put them on their back when they're little for sleeping. You know, you learn these things quickly. Yes. Uh, you know, and you, had, you so you hit on Amish Mafia, which like my wife would tell you, my father like I loved watching Amish Mafia. So like, what was your role there? Because that came out 2012, roughly, and yeah. I think it was like three or four seasons, but. I just, I don't know why, I loved it, I guess because growing up in Lebanon, you know, born and raised, you know, you'd always see the horse and buggies and the Amish, you know, they don't have electric, there's no, you know, the clothes are always out on the wash line and stuff like that, so what was your your role in... You know, how do you even get a gig with Amish Mafia?
1: Like everything in this business and and in life in general, I mean, to be honest, so many people, you have jobs where they just, you know, a door opens, somebody knew somebody. And and that's just, I find, I was saying to my wife just today, like a lot of stuff just works that way. So my friend Jim Hollenbaugh, who's a really great um, independent filmmaker, I went to Millersville with him. Okay. He was my uh, assistant director on the Creek. And we struck up a friendship on that and we ended up keeping in touch and we he then would work on all my different projects and jim's great and he's dude he's an award-winning independent short filmmaker like he makes these really great amazing short films that have played in like like all sorts of different countries like i mean he's literally he's very talented lives in lancaster so we've been friends forever he also loves like he makes his money he's a freelance production guy so he does dp grip gaffing back here you kind of got to do a little everything usually because there's not a lot of like it's tough like for me like you can't really be like
0: i'm a director yes
1: Mm -hmm. what directing do you want like it's not the way it works like you kind of got to do a little everything so like that's why i do produce i edit i direct yeah of do everything well jim likes to focus on like dp'ing and he does um grip and gaff so that's like his main niche and grip and
0: gaff and that all is like the lighting and that grip. Kind of stuff. Your yeah.
1: grip work is like um, not lighting. Gaffing's your lighter. Gaffing, okay. uh, your grip is one that's going to deal with your actual like grip. Your C stands, your this, or that, like setting up the hardware. Ooh, okay, okay. You know. Yeah. Um. They're going to do the hardware setup. The gaffers are actually like your lighting guys. Like if you're on a regular film set. So the the first thing I worked on in Millersville, my last year, there's a thing called uh, watchusdie.com. Com. Okay. You look it up.
0: Watchusdie.com.
1: Com. Now you're making me go backwards a teacher came up to me and said look there's a film shooting in Cornwall aren't you like you're from around there aren't you uh, yeah, so and i was here. like yes <laughs> yeah and it's the old linen union linen building it's in um, Alden place now the building's still there it's this crazy Uh-oh. mansion yes oh my god i know where you're at it's that crazy mansion it's just kind of up on the hill right it's yes. kind of, yeah i've yep, never been Alden there place. but i've seen like it's really cool inside stuff about it yeah so this was i was my, uh, my last semester he goes to call this dude they're looking for a boom operator well and boom operator is not exactly overly technical so i was like all right let's so call the dude the dude's actual uncle did like i think all the audio on miami vice back in Whoa. the day <laughs> like, oh, but the dude's like from out of here he, yeah. I mean, he's passed away a while ago but this was like his nephew and his nephew did sound stuff too so this was like a lower budget feature it shot 35 millimeters so it was legit like oh, wow. i mean how to budget they were like yeah we want you to do this and so i went to school i went to all my teachers i said i have this opportunity um because it shot for like a month and it was called watchusdie.com it was actually really smart because right when the internet was taking off and it was they were having those like voyeur sites the concept was these girls would get their college paid for for free but they had to live at this house and they did a bunch of like b-roll and were putting it on the internet like this is a real place and it was free kind of thing like like previews and so they were trying to get people to believe it was real and then on the thing they were going to show somebody get murdered and it was going to switch to watchusdie.com. And I think they actually did do this. And then it was it was a horror movie that the, you know, these girls were in this voyeur house and then they all start getting killed and who's killing them. Yeah. And on that set, I was a boom operator. I went to help the grip. And the Dude was like, "Don't touch that," you know. And like, realistically, in union jobs, like you can't touch anything oh, that you're, you're not saying. supposed to be touching. Yeah. So, like, the gaffers do the lights; they touch lights. The grips touch what they touch. They Stay in touch. your lane. Yes, yeah. very much so. And I learned that on my first thing, which was not union; it was yeah. non-union. But the dude was like, not a nice person. Um, but he was just like, and he wanted help later, and I was like, oh, I didn't think. Are you I was sure I can help, you? help yeah. you? Yeah. And then oh, I now you want my help. I got my revenge on that one. Basically, though, what happened was Jim's really talented. He he works for a lot of the local production companies freelance. And he ended up getting connected with, um, it's called Hot Snakes Media. They're the ones that actually made, produced okay. Amish Mafia. And he worked on the first two seasons. He loved it because it was so ridiculous. Oh, I mean, yeah. They were long days. The pay wasn't he wasn't super excited about i don't think but reality shows don't pay like they're just one of those deals they're long days they don't pay well but he loved the crazy because there was a lot of crazy drama a lot of yeah and then they were doing something called um amish horror stories and they shot that down in lancaster as well their media manager ended up they needed a media manager for the last week of the shoot because some sort of schism happened and their media manager was no longer there. So Jim was like, he's like, yeah, my buddy Eric could probably do that. So they called me, I went and did this one week thing and they were like, yeah, okay, great. Thank you so much, whatever. So then then the next season of Amish Mafia came up and they were like, it was like the second last season I think I worked on. They're like, hey, can you be the media manager again? And I was just like, sure, cool. And um, so I ended up doing the media manager job for that whole like third or fourth season. And Jim was, um, I think he might've moved up to like assistant camera on that year. But he was like, he was pissed because I ended up making more money. Oh, wow. Doing media manager. (laughs) Yeah. But the media manager literally like, I would go down in at night and I'd get the cards, all their media cards take them back and then they gave me giant hard drives and you're basically you're you're managing their media media. okay so you make you you make sure you lose footage your head's on the block (laughs) oh my gosh the media manager makes so much sense you had to do all that yeah like if you ever want if you ever have the time or you want to like you have Jim on he'll tell you the best Amish Mafia stories and he'll like he just because he He was was there Levi I think every season I mean, yeah. and I think he did all the seasons and, and he just, but yeah, he knows all the inside dirt. I know what Jim's told me because basically I would drive down, they were at a hotel in Fruitville, off Fruitville Pike. Okay. I would drive down 72, make a left at all those restaurants right before you get to Park City, go in the hotel, scoop up the cards, take them home, back them up, back them up again, clear the cards off, take them back the next night, switch cards. And I did that for like eight weeks or whatever it was. Holy cow. And that's, it's not sexy, but it was... Somebody's got to do it, right? And I could do it while the kids were sleeping, so it was like one of those things you were just like, you know, God's good. It worked out, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say not easy money, but it is that one ended up being fairly easy money because USB three came out, and I bought a brand new laptop for the job. USB three was such a big jump. The when I did the first one, it literally took eight hours overnight. Like I was there all night, and actually, I wrote this script. Tell them I'm sorry because you basically would like. But do the card and you just waited for it to transfer. So I would work on this script and then you check the card, make sure the files are there, then you back it up again. Actually, when that came out, I got the new laptop, I took the cards, I put them in. It went from taking a minute a gig to like you could do a 60 gig card instead of an hour, it would take like 12 minutes. And I called him, I was like, dude, you're not gonna believe this. And I go, this <laughs> is crazy. He was like, what you're already making more money than me because yeah. this is crazy. Yeah. It's just like, don't tell anyone, yeah, yeah. That this is amazing. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I didn't know this. It was like magic, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I actually got lucky on that gig where I didn't, it wasn't a horror show of, of like taking forever and this and that. Like I was kind of, like, you win some. Like I said, with the, the sign language thing. Yeah. Did not win on that. Did not win on that you one. You know, but this one was one of those. you were Live like, and learn. Yes. You this know? one you did, yeah. It's like one of those type situations. The Amish but mafia. yeah, so then that, so then Jim and I do stuff together. I, went, I love 12 Bells it was kind of dead in the water. Jeff was still the producer and Philly was still trying to do stuff with it. Chris was like, "Hey, I'm really sorry." He goes, he goes, "You're going to get your crap out in 2 weeks." Oh, <laughs> he geez. goes, "I'm sorry." And I was like, "Dude, it's your house." Yeah. And I was like really bummed. I was really depressed. I was kind of depressed cuz I was just like, "Man, and I'd always said to Nancy like if God gave me something where I could shoot something I like that made sense, I wanted to do something like Positive for Lebanon." Yeah. And then the house was not the place, like, you know, Within two weeks or a month, we went to the Lebanon Valley Council of the Arts, bought that building. They had just opened it. Nancy was a member. We just went to a thing. Seamus was there. He's he's like, like, let me show you around. We hit the third floor, and I'm like, what are you doing with this? And he's like, I don't know. They just bought the building. Talked to Sharon Zuck. And I talked to her, and they rented me the third floor. And We Are Lebanon PA started after that. Started there. Because I was like, well, God gave me the space. I'm going to do something to give back. And so we started doing We Are Lebanon PA.
0: So let's get into, you know, we are Lebanon, PA, and then tell them I'm sorry. Then you also have the project. I'm going to try my best. (laughs) I knew you paused. Hold on. I was like, (laughs) he's
1: thinking about it.
0: Diconia. Diconia. Yep. Diconia. I had an A in there. You're not up on Latin? I'm
1: sorry. No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm like, I speak English. No. Diconia. So like let's dive into those again with my business you you just without money you can only do so much okay so you were asking about those three projects diaconia i shot locally that's like currently so we did that over about two years i yeah. tried to raise money with a donor box thing online i really thought people would get behind it because it was local i'm shooting local i shot at the really cool church on um right at 7th and lehman I forget the name i'm sorry i apologize people at the church you were so nice. But you're tagged in everything. Um, I tagged them in everything I did. Um, and basically, like the locations, I'm like, look, I'll tag you in everything. So the locations I all got for free and the mall, uh, Michelle at the mall yeah, is amazing. Oh, dude, I love her. She's like so supportive of like local things. And she let us use the mall for the shoot at the mall um, because we had this really big mall scene planned. We shot at the mall. It wasn't as big because we couldn't raise. I was trying to raise 15 grand, which was really just going to pay for... Basically, what you shot was what's called a sizzle reel. So you're shooting that as a sales reel. Diaconia is a a Christian-based series. So it's not a Christian series. It's based in the fact that... Everybody knows about these things in the Bible. You know about Noah's Ark. You know about you know Moses parting the sea. We all know like, and it kind of makes me mad. My kids are watching like you know Spider Man, dude gets bit by radioactive spider. Like technically speaking, if you're a Christian or even not, you've at least heard of these superpowers. You know, like everyone knows a Samson, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where I was like, dude, if you did something that was like based in that arena, and it's not superheroes like like, like over-the-top superheroes. It's basically like a Western. The main character, Ulima comes to town. She has the gift of knowledge and wisdom. So it's based on, like, the Bible has, like, the evangelical gifts. So, like, healing, being able to see spirits. And then, like, you do have, like, Samson, which isn't one of the evangelical gifts. It's, it's a film. Like, we're not trying to make oh, it... You can- a little have bit. a little fun. Yeah, exactly. Like the thing I keep saying to people is it's Christian-based because there's no lesson. You know, my problem with Christian m- movies is they're always trying to teach you something. You can smell that a mile away, and you're like, oh, they're going to get divorced, then he's going to feel okay, and then we yeah, I get it. This is just supposed—like it's a good thing. It's just based in those Christian beliefs, and I think it's cool because you could en- introduce people to a ton of stuff. Like have you seen Moon Knight? The Moon Knight oh, with they, Disney? Uh, yeah, yeah yeah. Uh, so, Marvel. yeah, yeah. Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, Marvel, yeah. My kids have been watching. They watched that when it came out. Yeah. All, they were all like, wow. Ah. I yeah. was never into Moon Knight as a kid, so I didn't know what it was. But in the same way Moon Knight introduced people to all those Egyptian gods and Egyptian things, right. is it converting people to that? No. But it is planting seeds. It's planting interest. Makes it's you people think. like, ooh. Yeah. And my point with this project was always like, as a Christian, I think it would be cool because you're doing something based in all of those principles in a way. And I'm also making people go, oh, wow, is that in the Bible? Is that something that's there? Yeah. Maybe it's plant some seeds. But the truth is, it's just supposed to be a good story. So it's like a thriller. So Lima comes to town. She has those two gifts. She finds people with other gifts. And then what happens is she kind of puts together a team. And then she has to figure out why she's there. And if the writer's any good, you think you know. And then at the end, there's a twist. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they try to stop like an act of evil. Like, you know, they know they're there to stop an act of evil. They kind of have to figure that out. What's cool about it, I think, is is the next. So then you have your first season, season ends. And then the second season, she goes to a new town. So, again, it's like the Spaghetti Western. Yeah. You know, she goes to a new town. She gets a new group of people. New group, okay. And then it's things. so I think it would be just this really cool, like, series. It would stay fresh. It has a little bit of Mandalorian sort of feel to it. Yeah. Like that, like, kind of gunslinger. It's not overly expensive to shoot. I could shoot it all in the area here. I really thought people here would get behind it, though. And unfortunately, I found, like, it's funny, like, if you're in Lebanon, and a friend of mine was said to me, who's a business person, so I did the posters. Yes. Um, oh, and, the cutouts. Yeah, they're... And there's, like, a yeah. free giveaway if you just... If there was a, a QR code you could hit, and you actually got a free necklace, which is the necklace she's wearing in the, oh, the wow, poster. Oh, That's cool. Yeah. I thought so. So, yeah. But I talked to a business friend of mine, and he's like, I'm telling you, people aren't going to care. And I'm like, seriously? So we had him up multiple places. Yes. Nobody cared. Like, nobody did. Nothing? It. No. like And, like, I couldn't. The donor box never got any traction. And that actually because a family friend who's, like, super generous and nice, and they just really liked the idea of what I was doing. Thankfully, they ended up donating to the project enough I think out of the fifteen grand, I might have ended up raising like twenty five hundred at the most through basically friends and family. Like the mall scene was supposed to be much bigger, and it would have been really cool, much bigger. Uh, we just didn't have a budget to pay people. You, if you're going to have twenty five extras, you need people to wrangle twenty five extras. You know, you need people to do stuff, and it's just we never had. You know, I never got the support, and I'm not blaming Lebanon. It's just one of those things. Like personally, I've never figured out how to motivate people, but we ended up up doing it because again like i'm too stupid to nod and you have to to some degree when you said about the multiple projects you have to keep multiple balls in the air because the truth is you don't know which one will hit and then if something does hit great you have other things to come up behind it um and we got it out there and pure Flix was looking at it i was going back and forth with her i don't think she was high level i mean you could still hear from them the producer out of philly that i've used before he's funny because he kind of dabbles still and he kind of It's the way the world works. And he just recently, a month ago, I sent him Diakonia and the other piece you were talking about, This Is Why I Believe. I wrote that up as like a a documentary style for it because I'd like to turn it into a documentary, that project. And um, he has somebody that's looking for religious, like faith-based content. Oh, You don't know. And that's the thing. You don't know. Like could something hit tomorrow? I see what you're saying. Or could we chat in 10 years and I'm doing three other weird projects and these never went anywhere. Like it's very possible. You never know. What's gonna um, stick? It's like spaghetti on a wall. Yeah. Exactly. What's yeah. gonna hit, what's gonna take off. And like I was saying earlier, the world the way it is right now, especially so in 07, it got crazy because digital media, people could make stuff. And now people are making stuff on their phones. Yeah. You know, and like there's so much TikTok and social media. Back then there wasn't much social media, you know, MySpace. Right, I I remember twenty thousand followers on my wow, that's big time. Back then, wasn't bad. My job that gave me time allowed me to like connect a lot. And think about yourself, like when you look, like how much can you absorb in a day? With all these streaming series like right. services, how do you keep track of paramount? It's Disney, HBO, yeah. this, that. You know, it's a shame because we don't have shared experiences anymore. Back in the day, like you knew like everyone was gonna watch X or you know, someone's like, Have you seen this? Well, you could be like, No, but I've heard of it. There's so much stuff now, people are like, Hey, have you seen? You're like, like what platform is it on? Right. You know? Like I don't even like, okay. Yeah. You it was know, like the movie theaters are Stuff everywhere. It's so you know? diluted. There's no yeah. shared experiences generally, which is as as somebody who wants to make films as a filmmaker, it's kinda of depressing because how do you get your anything You know, I've said to my wife, there's really no movie stars anymore. You know, Brad Pitt is kind of the last generation of movie stars because anyone younger than him, there's so many people like I don't you can't keep track of them all, you know, and it's kind of like, "Eh." anyway, we did DiConia. I'm still pushing it right now. I said to my wife, I I am a little like it was kind of a heartbreaker at the moment because it just but again, anything can still happen with it. Right. But I get there again. I really thought this was going to get some traction. It is what it is, and and it still has a chance. And again, I'm not totally giving up. But in the meantime, I needed to kind of shift a little. So I started this project called "This Is Why I Believe." It's just basically the question is like, I say to people, I don't want your testimonial. Um, I don't know, like if you're a person of faith or not. But like in churches, a lot of times people give like a testimonial. Right. And I was like, I didn't want to do something that's like people's just testimonials. We've heard testimonials. I'm like, but like, why do you believe in God? Like, you know, just that's, that's a great the question. question. Like, why great do you believe question. in God? And 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 people, it's funny. They look at you and they'll go that's kind of different than, and I'm like, right. Like, well, why do you believe in God? Cause I was at church and the pastor said something about like, you know, why do you believe in God? And I was just like, it's weird. Like, and some people just grew up with it. Yeah. But yet at some point they had to make the decision. This is what I want to believe. What was the moment. Yeah. Some people had traumatic instances. I forget how many I've done so far. So what I'd like to do with that is like partner with say churches and have them sponsor them. But like, It'd be amazing to get all different kinds of people, you know, yeah. into it and get like, why, you know, why does this person believe? Why do you believe? Because it does just vary so much. But one of my goals was to hopefully like try to get it. So like Encounter Church in Palmyra okay. sponsored a series. For churches, it's a really good it's a really good tool to build Um, community in the church because they would show them then and like tease them on Sundays. Like I'd cut like a minute teaser for some of them. Then he was directing them to the site. And it was a way for people in the church because a lot of churches are so big, you don't know everybody. Kind of like, wow, that's a neat story. You know them
0: on more of a personal
1: level maybe. Right. And so it's a great way to build community in a church. Um, but also, it gets these really cool stories out there. That you never would have known. Right. And yeah. the stories actually, right from the get-go, I'm getting between like 700 and like 1,500 views. Wow. Which... Phenomenal. It's not easy, you know, no. like... Oh, no. You know, I know how it is. Okay, yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Like, But it's funny. It's some a- people are just like, yeah. And I'm like, no. No, like, that's, that's a big hard deal. hard to do. Yeah. But I can't for keep sure. doing them for free. So I did like a whole series for free. Yeah. And then I did like some more for free and then encounter sponsored at a highly reduced rate. So I am actually looking at a highly reduced rate to get some other churches involved or groups that want to do it. But I think like they have such a good chance to just take off. And then the main thing I'm doing now, other than that is tell them I'm sorry. And that was a piece that started in doing, working with Amish mafia. Amish people mafia. Yeah. Overnight. And Robin Williams died. And I was thinking to myself, you think like why did people kill themselves you know like he yeah, killed himself hit a lot of like, people hard when robin williams i mean it was know, weird he was a genius. yeah he I was always so him. happy right no but, i didn't
0: know him personal level but like you connected with him through
1: his movies and his voiceovers it's like and he was just such like you said a genius he's so creative yeah. and you were like you know and you and i think to myself i'm like you know you always wonder like why yeah you know, like why like, you never find that out you never leave know. a note what happened was I said something to my wife I go what if you did a script of people talking about why they were planning to commit suicide and she looked at me and she went no just no yeah and I go okay there's something to this <laughs> right I'm like if she doesn't like it this much and then I really started digging in and I was looking up statistics and I was looking at stuff and what surprised me was we don't realize I didn't realize and most people don't realize who's most at risk you know uh, freshmen in college are like a super high rate of suicide really you don't know this because yeah. you just don't know. And I had, early on when I moved back, there was a project with a local woman whose son had passed. Unfortunately, he was a freshman in college and, and he was of that number. And I had no idea at the time. And Asher was a baby. Yeah. And it touched, it hit me in a way that I, I always kind of hung to it. Like it just, the story was like, <sighs> as I was doing the research, wrote a script and it's eight people and they, they all fit the different demographics. You know, people with like terminal illnesses older people over 85 there's just all these people obviously vets yeah right. um you know they have a very high rate of suicide so i wrote for like the highest levels that the people that were like by numbers so what i did is i wrote eight basically short interviews with eight people and it plays like a documentary So what's neat about it and weird about it, it's a weird project in the sense, one, what it deals with. And it kind of, when I wrote it, I had the idea, I wrote it, and then I basically put it out to people in the mental health industry. I put it out to people like survivors that wanted to read it. I cautioned them. And I had like this local guy who had his own project going, he read it. And people kept coming back to me over the years. I tried to get it off the ground. I couldn't. It's an interview with all these different people that fit these categories. The concept is they came in to talk to you, to talk to the people about why they're considering this. So you have to sell that. Like you can't, there's no B-roll. Like we're not going to get them walking down the street. Right. There's no hero shots of them standing there. Like, you know, so it's basically they start out on this metal chair. There's a chair with them that they bring something with them. Much like you, sir. Yeah, like an item. Right, right, right. Did you steal this from me? Um, who stole it from who? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The you, Spider-Man. You have no evidence. Yeah, yeah right. Um, and basically, they they tell you, and, and it's them telling their story, kind of like eight shorts that are all interviews. that are all tied together. And at the end of each interview, it'll give you the date of their birth, and if they died, the date of their death, and how they died. Oh, wow. Which is what's weird. But at the same time, like as I was talking to people, because I didn't want it to be exploitive, and I want to make sure it wasn't. I, there's a human response to that. Yes, And for I sure. think when you see this, it's going to be that first one that comes up. It's like, oh, wait a minute. And again, it plays like a documentary. So if it's a feature film, I don't like if people know it's not a documentary right away. It's not going to have that power. I think, though, but yes. if you put it out like a documentary, you watch that first one. It only takes about eight minutes to watch. And when it pops up, and to be honest, the first person does die. And then there's that reaction of as soon as the next person pops up in your brain, you're going... you got to find out. But yeah, you're going to want to... In, and I think in that sense, it's going to work as a project. And in the better sense, and the real reason I'm really pushing it is like all these people keep coming back to me and they're going like, you need to make this. They're like, you need to make this. And and suicide's going up like crazy through COVID yeah. and oh depression. My gosh, yeah. I yeah, mean, it's something... And, and it's one of those, again, it's kind of a boomerang. It keeps coming back, keeps coming back. So... I finally was like, I said to my wife, I was like, you know, this is what I'm doing next. Yeah. Like I can't move Diaconia forward right now because I'm going to convert it maybe to the thought of like doing a feature out of it and do a feature script for it in case because it's just cheaper. But I said to her, this winter we're shooting, tell him I'm sorry. I don't know how. And she was just like, okay. She's like, yeah. And I was like, but we... And it's one of those things. So I have a, a donor box to raise money. It's at 65000 I don't need, need all that to like... Again, I'm looking for enough to pay crew, pay talent. Mm-hmm. Like the, the actors that do this, I have it out to some people I know who are shooting me reels. Like they shot me videos. Like yeah. they've done auditions on tape. And there's one girl I definitely want to bring in and have her do it in person. It's going to be such a hard piece. You need to know... And also the commitment they need to have to do it i don't want to ask people to do this for free like it's all the pieces are really hard and it's eight minutes it's eight eight i mean yeah it's about eight nine pages where you're doing a monologue wow yeah that's not easy and actually originally i wanted 125 to do it because i wanted to i wanted to be able to cast it all out of new york and cast new york talent because it is such a hard piece But that's like, you know, again, it's more money, more problems. And I've met some really talented people here, and I know I can find the people to do it and pay them something they're happy with, but yet we can do it for 65,000 and then the crew, you need crew for it. Like I just, I'm going to actually, one of the ways I want to shoot this is to keep it moving is I'm going to do like two takes on it, but we're going to have probably six to seven cameras rolling. Holy cow. On every take. Really? So that, yes. Because that way, because like when I do we're 11 P.A. videos, which I know we kind of jumped over, but that's my positivity project. I do those for free for local business artists and nonprofits. And there are like three to five minute little videos. They come into the it's studio. It's a feel good project for sure. It's yeah. to basically raise positivity. Yeah, like it's my project to help raise positivity. In Lebanon. Lebanon County is a pretty great area. There, There's so many amazing people here, and it's so hard to hate a place when you see people like the one person I interviewed moved here from Germany. Yeah, and she's made a life here. And she didn't like her husband actually, she met her husband who was from a different part of Germany, I think, no or way. like no, serious. They both work at Bayer <laughs> and what? she met it's her. Small hu- world. Yeah, mine's down there. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, What? And she's like, Yeah, so. <laughs> but like when you see people move here it's hard to hate a place so it started out as like one two cameras yeah. to get a close up and a wide sometimes three cameras and it's oh, all wow. in the studio because then i can manage it and it's not like to go on location you need more people and realistically right. to do the quality level i want to do is very hard to do as a one-man band. Um, so I tend to do them in the studio, I can light it, and then I can have like four or five, six people. And then I have them in the can, and then over like the next month or two, oh, I'll do, I'll yeah, just yeah. then like, hey, I have time, I'll quick cut one. Um, and then for that I do special things like the Courtney Stauffer series. I don't yes. know if you saw that. Yeah. But that seemed important, too. Like, to me, it was. And I knew her family because they went to church where I went to church. And I knew her grandmother. And you can pull in. There was a sticker that said, where's Courtney? Like, a Courtney sticker on the back of her grandma's car that was all faded. And I was kind of like, you know. And so we did that project. And that did get some leads, which is great. But, you know, um, it didn't break the case wide open, which we hoped. Right. But, you know, so I do that through We Are 11 PA. And, like, We Are 11 PA, I'm also putting out the, the, um, you know, I've been sharing a lot of the, like, this is why I believe things so i kind of do use that to promote the other free stuff i do so it's similar though to the we're 11 and pa things except the thing is when you do those for three minutes and what they are people are interested in those because it's local a lot of times right dude those get between a thousand and three thousand views and oh, i think they're phenomenal cool yeah. thank you yeah, yeah and bob yeah. um at uh quesadillas okay yes he, dude he's so nice he's so funny he came in. Yeah. I always say to people like tag this, tag that, you know, give me things to tag cuz that helps spread the oh, spider definitely, web. definitely, for sure, for sure. He yep. had nothing. I was like, "Wow, well. Whatever. This one might be a throwaway, you know. Like, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Because you yeah. you have a
0: mindset like, oh, okay, I'm interviewing this person. Oh, they give me all these places well, like, people to tag. Where'd like, you
1: go it, to college? Where'd you go to this? Yeah. If I can tag Cedar Crest even or Lebanon High right, School, and then it, I it tag, gets the views. It spreads it. 100 oh, percent. Yeah, yeah. Because it'll start to get on their radar. Exactly. Colleges love something that it's like, look, you know, like student did good. Yeah. You know, right, kind right. of thing. Look where they're at now. Right. Yeah, so it yeah. can help. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, well, whatever. And if Bob does. That, I don't think have a real big social media. Footprint, yeah. So I was like, well, whatever, dude. His, I think, has the record. He's like, well, Courtney's have the record. Like, some of hers were over 25 or 30,000, I think, maybe more. But his, for the just a normal, we are right off the gate, like it ended up doing like 15,000 views. And over time, I I forgot, I thought it was up to like 18 or 19. Yeah, like people, it was the funniest thing. People were like, Pop's the best, or quesadillas. And <laughs> yeah. people were like, I moved to Arizona. I can't wait to come back, though, and I'm no. going to have to go there. And that was, like, really cool. So they're fun, and, and they're just great a great way to lift positivity. The short, short, short version with that is, when, right before we moved back, Nancy met this girl, went into a jewelry store next to the Island Theater. And this girl was there, and she's like, Nancy always had a look like she did not come from here. Like, people yeah. used to think she came from California, like in Kutztown. People were like, you're from California. She was like, no. Um, she has her own unique style and this woman was like she, this girl was like you're not from here are you and she's like well yeah but no we live in North Jersey we're moving back and she's like why would you move back here and Nancy was pissed because yeah, she was kind of like yeah. you know, there's a lot here and that was our way with We are 11 in PA to kind of say there's a lot here you know don't you know This yeah. didn't show people there's a lot here so normally on a film you do a scene and we have one or two cameras like usually like one two unless you're doing a Marvel movie you know right? you have like two cameras you have like a wide or a medium and a close up Okay, let's do it. Okay, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. You can do it, you know, as many times as you want nowadays with digital, but you know, yeah. usually like you're gonna do it five, ten times. Whew. You know, these are not stories you get someone to do twice, like more than twice, because it's each script, each story is someone, you know, at some point they get to that point of where they're like you know, really telling you like they're cutting the vein open and saying, yeah. "Here's what's going on," and it's it's intense, it's emotional draw, it's, probably. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for actors to do and to get the yeah. people that can get to that because it's also if the writer was any good, you know, there's points in it where they're reflective. People are kind of also telling you their lives a little bit, and and hopefully people will relate to that because we cover a lot of different kinds of people, and I think that's the thing. It's people you know, but you would never know were at risk. Yeah. You know, and, like and Robin I think,
0: Williams. I mean. You, you, you know you might not know him personally but you feel like you know him and you never think the guy that's making you laugh is is
1: suffering like that and it hit it then and again that hit you out of the blind yes. you know you're like oh. you know and i think this has legs in other ways like the people at the mental health association like different mental health associations have all been like encouraging yeah actually next week i'm re-meeting with them because lebtown's doing a story and they wanted oh. to talk to some of the people i had talked to about fantastic. it fantastic yeah well, i reached out to them i don't know it was probably six years ago and they're like hey, well, can you meet with us again? Because we kind of forget what you're, you know. And I was like, sure. And I sent him the script. And I even actually, to try to get this going, I even put the script online, like that yeah. you could download it on LinkedIn. I And I love your LinkedIn, by the way. Oh, like, thank you. And <laughs> thank, and thank you for just you. liking my stuff as well. Because you yeah. need that motion to make, yeah. what is it, like motion creates a motion kind of thing. Like you yeah, need a small stone in a, in a pond, you know, makes ripples and makes
0: big ripples, you know. yeah, Definitely. It's, I it's appreciate good. the support. Any way to support, you know, exactly. A like, a share, because you never know. A comment, like how that will affect someone's day or who it'll get, you know, that piece of media in front of, you know, if you share it with somebody, you never know.
1: Exactly. You like you, know. someone in your circle, if you they says, you you know, you put a like on it, they go, oh, what do you put a like on? And, and again, this business and, and life in general, it's, you know, right place, right time, right doors open. Yeah. So, but anyway, this project is just, it's, it's, I'm, I'm just, it's going to happen. I can do it with less money, like I did Diaconia, I'm hoping not to have to. Right. Um, Jim actually has said, he knows about it, and he said to me, so when we shoot in Lebanon at the studio, if it's Tuesday, we are definitely hitting up Taco Tuesday okay. at Snitz y- Creek. Y- yeah. Like, there's, their tacos are baller, and it's always like, the crew's always like, <laughs> like if it's Tuesday, like, dude, we do it? I'm like, we're doing Taco yeah. Tuesday. <laughs> you already know. <laughs> and he's like, He's like, dude. He's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, you got to make that, man. He goes, he goes, I'll do it for tacos. Because if I have to, that's which, awesome. But shout it, out to is, Jim. Oh, dude, it's yeah. and it's great to have that support. But at the same time, like, he's a professional, and you know, you, you need to pay people. But I think I'm excited about it too because the people that have read it from a mental health corner kind of perspective have all been encouraging. But anyway, that's what I've been working on currently. Okay. Thank you so much. And I'm sorry, I'm, I don't know what time it is. I like to chat though. And yes. I know we went way over, but it's I, been really cool talking. It has, you. Eric Do you have is, any other questions so like <laughs> that I didn't ramble through? Yeah, let's take a sip break. This
0: sip break is brought to you by Cleona Coffee Roasters, a small batch coffee roastery and coffee shop, veteran and first responder-owned and community-oriented. All coffee is roasted fresh to order. Now open every day from 5.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Located inside 911 Rapid Response in Anvil, PA. Because you definitely hold the record for longest podcast so far. I hope that's... Yay! I mean, it is maybe. a good thing.
1: Okay, cool. I think so. It's going fast.
0: And I love the topics, was too. It's been fun chatting. In life, what do you say you're most passionate
1: about? You know, and it's funny, as you get older, like I think it changes so much. At this point in life, I mean it would be faith, my faith. I'm a Christian, um most passionate. It's God, then family, then film. <laughs> so it's kind of goes if you didn't say film, I'd be
0: worried. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean it's it's you know, I mean when I was younger, yeah, it was obviously you're you know, you you prioritize differently, but I feel like God's been working with me over the past ten years a lot where you know that, that perspective of, of like, well, what's important? I always thought I'd do something big. And at this point I realize. I mean, that's, what I'm doing that's the biggest thing is like, you know, what I'm leaving behind yeah. as far as like my kids and my faith and like, what, what am I doing to help, you know, kind of that, like, you know, so it's, yeah, that would be that. Speed round on what items you brought. I think I think it's my name
0: on the on the D V D, which yeah, I do okay. It,
1: it, it seems kind of like being like like you're how do you do and I'm not how do you do. Um, but people just always do seem to like when I like I'll write something on the DVDs. Yeah. So I just wrote you a little thing there and then on the DVD and then inside I got you some stickers. Oh cool. And this was something oh, we can... used to market it. And that's mine, I can keep it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, one of the nine
1: hundred. No, this is for you, yeah. Sweet. Oh, yep. thank so you. So you get your own DVD. Oh, nice. And um yeah, no, I just funded to give to people. Thank you. Yeah, and I try to write something half normal and then usually half ridiculous somewhere. Yeah. So um, (laughs) this is kind of fun. It's like the swag you got.
0: Austin, watch out for Billy. There
1: you go. Ooh, I got to find out. If you haven't seen it. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't. You'll yeah, know. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So I got my own copy of The Creek. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah. And then um, the 12 Bells, the prequels. Yeah, I want to look that I got up. the one where we did the showing at the Allen, so it has the information on the back. And it even says, like, you know, in the tradition of early film serials, because early film serials, they'd have those little pieces in the like beginning those little of films. Snippets. Those yeah. Little clips, yeah. And they would come together. So oh, I want to cool. give you that. And then here, this was an original, what they called, sales sheet. So this went out to all the distributors. Um, when they were trying to sell the movie, they'd send them out these things for them to, like, want to buy it. Yeah. So I did that, and I just wrote something fun on there for you. Very silly cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah. you were saying, like, what's your career? Well, my career in a lot of ways, like, so I have then a headshot. This was, like, my last one. Because I started acting, and, and I actually – acting and writing kind of happened at the same time. And then um, we did The Creek. So kind of, like, acting, writing, and then I have the – Tell them I'm sorry and you can keep this. I can keep that's a script. I can yeah. keep it. Yeah, you can keep the script for tell them I'm Whoa. sorry. Oh. Yeah. Oh man, I love when guests bring me gifts. Like it's definitely not mandatory,
0: but <laughs> it's so cool because it's like it's really it's like history. You know, it, it it's like not only did we have a great conversation, you know, but like now I have something to like always remember this talk and share with like friends and family. I mean people that come in all the time. I'm always sharing stuff with them. So cool.
1: So okay, cool. So this is actual script. This just looks so legit too. It is. That's yeah. what they look like. Those are the th- you said bring stuff, but also I thought I'd bring gifts at the same time. But yeah, it kind of encaps- encapsulates like the past. It's crazy, but twenty five years has been yeah. doing the Creek and acting. It was acting, doing the Creek, doing Twelve Bells, and then Tell Them I'm Sorry is just the most recent, you know, kind of thing. And I think it's really cool. So you know, give it a yeah. read, pass it around for all, you know. Well, thank I mean? you, thank you for having me in. Yeah, it's great what you're doing. I appreciate what you're doing too, because like we're eleven in PA. You're talking at least four hours per yeah, video. I you believe know, it. And that's... Yeah you know, so it's a commitment and what you're doing too, it helps promote the community and it's helping pro, you know, bring that positivity to Lebanon. And and I feel like it's funny when you did it, I was kind of like, cool, because it's similar to, I think, to my idea. And that whole thing is, you know, a give people a promotion. And then after that, I say to them, like, you know, plug your business, plug your nonprofit, or plug your art, you know, because it just gives them that outlet to try to like do it. But you're raising positivity at the same time. Yeah. And with what you're doing, it's so similar in that sense of like, you know, you're introducing people to the amazing people who are here who are doing neat and interesting exactly. things yeah. and there's so many people here doing cool things that you just don't know about there are you oh know? yeah
0: and i, I you know I, I mentioned it for like the listeners that listen to every episode thank you and you know redundant but everyone has a story you know i truly believe that and some people are like no I, it's not that interesting i'm like well look you have a story you lived a life like what do you do let's talk you know and then sometimes they get going. It's like, what do you mean you don't have a story? Like, look, listen to you, you know, look what you've done, look what you've achieved, you know, or look at, the, look at the hardships you've been through. So I truly believe everyone has a story. And I started this as just like, know so many people through work with blue card photography and color tech being in sales, you know, and friends and family that I'm like, I want to give people a platform that they can come and share, you know, share their story. And, sh- and you know, I just don't have that high end video. I just do the, the audio part and I'm learning video on my own because everything is self-taught. Like the the editing on GarageBand and, and you know, everything. I mean, these are Joe Rogan quality mics, but uh, I'm learning as I go. You did know? you look up his setup? I actually did. Yeah, I did some extensive research on the setup. Everything I did, I looked up because I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do this, like, I want to, the sound has to be good. The quality has to be good. I mean, that's what it's all about. How can our listeners, you know, connect and follow along? And if they did want to donate to, you know, support, tell them I'm sorry, like, how can
1: they do that? we are on all the major platforms with all the stuff like Anubis Productions and tell them I'm sorry. I like other projects I've broken out. Like Diaconia has its own Facebook page. Okay. Um, I mean, but there's still stuff you can find with it off the Anubis site Um, or our website is anubisproductions.com. Our Facebook is Anubis Productions on Facebook. We are a blue check Mark on X now. Whoa, that's official. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's funny i hate twitter i don't understand it i don't either i think i'm I too old it for it you're younger than me i know me, but so i can't get it i don't understand well, i don't it. feel bad then as no much. don't okay yes no. i feel like a lot of people don't get it i don't get twitter at all but i just i'm like you know i was actually putting advertising dollars into something else and when elon Musk did the eight dollar thing yeah i was like i'll get me a blue check mark like oh I, yeah yeah i'm reallocating funds yeah, you know? beat it right because for eight bucks i was kind of good to my wife when i didn't tell her and it finally came through i was like nancy who's a blue mark And she was like, you're an idiot. And I was like, I know. But, but so we're on Twitter or X, um, Anubis Productions, Instagram, Anubis Productions. Um, we're on all the major stuff and tell them I'm sorry I'm posting on all that stuff. Okay. Um, and, and really everything, and Diaconia and everything, all gets funneled through everything. Um, and you can go to... It's DonorBox.com, uh, I think slash tell them I'm sorry, but if you honestly just go to our new any of our pages, I've have it pinned to the top, okay, like the donor box yeah. for it, and it's just like any other giving site, you know, it's just to raise money. If you donate, it'll give you access to our blog, okay, which is really going a little deeper into what we're doing, when we're doing it, you know, and all that, yeah, um, and then when you hit a certain point you know, I think there's a t-shirt or like you get a t-shirt and then you can also, then if you want to be a producer on it, because you feel like this is an important topic, there's higher marks you can hit. And um, of course, if, someone is somebody's rich uncle and they would like to, you know, get involved in a bigger way and be a partner in it. I mean, obviously, I just want to make it. I think it needs made and I think there's a lot of legs for it. But yeah. I don't, you know, again, I don't have a rich uncle. Um, <laughs> I know yeah, you never know. I mean, who knows who's listening out well, there? Or someone that wants to get involved in film. You know, yeah. there are people that just love movies and want to get involved and want to be part of it. And there is some where you donate, you can be on set for a day. Oh, but wow. it, honestly, if somebody, you know, wanted to be involved in a deeper way, I would love to work with them, and and they could, you know, wanted to be the the, the producer behind it that has the money. Yeah, I mean that would be amazing. You're, you're and willing be, to work with that? Yeah, yeah. And be partners. I mean, I'm not, I'm not classy. <laughs> I'm, 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 i love I just want to make a movie, man. Yeah, like I just want to make you're this the movie because yeah. I think it just it really again like it's that boomerang people just kept coming back to me and I finally just was like we got to figure it out so yeah yeah, so there's there's all different ways you can get involved that way with it or or reach out to me if there's something you know you you want to get involved with it and have an idea so
0: Eric Sloyard filmmaker owner
1: of Anubis Productions
0: on the American Grown Podcast in the Colortech Creative Solutions Studios thank you for joining me thank you to see photos of today's guests and more content just search American Grown Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review.
1: If you'd like to be a featured guest on the podcast, please direct message or email Austin at Pod at gmail.com.